0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 310th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that can't wait to ninjutsu our way out of our chairs and into your heart. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, a.k.a. at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host this week is Cliff Daigle, at Word of Commander on Twitter, and we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm glad to be here. I'm looking forward to sharing valuable information with all of you. This show, as always, is produced by MTGPrice.com, the leading MTG Finance community. Sign up today at MTGPrice.com to plan your specs, chat on an amazing Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby
0: mdg fast finance is proudly sponsored by cool stuff inc where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock including all the best in magic the gathering single sealed product and a plethora of other collectibles use the promo code finance5 that's the number 5 during checkout at coolstuffinc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast cliff what is on our agenda this week
1: well, we have our uh, Magic Online metagame weekend can review coming up. There's some uh, some neat things happening in Modern that you may or may not have heard about. Then we've got our top movers. Uh, some really funny things in there, uh, along with our top movers in paper and our top movers online. Then you and I have our cards to watch, along with a uh, great reader pick. And then we're going to get into our review of uh kamigawa the crimson dynasty with uh jason alt talking about commander cards modern cards and what are the cards we're all going to be mortgaging a child for
0: let's see jump right into the metagame we can review i suppose uh, i noticed that wizards had trouble posting these lists at the appropriate links so if you search up magic online list this week You're probably going to have trouble tracking these down, Um, so I guess we'll make sure that at least in the ProTrader Discord people have the correct links that we tracked down, uh, because it was a little tricky. They were were showing a bunch of data from January of 2021, which was definitely throwing me off for a little bit. I was like, wow, the top eight looks completely different this week. So retro. And I was like, wait a second, there's no Ragavan. This looks very suspicious.
1: I like retro. Good way to put that.
0: I mean, post-MH2 definitely has a retro vibe to it for Modern, that's for sure. So the Modern Challenge this Saturday, February 5th of 2022, we had Blue-White Control taking the whole thing down in a fairly standard configuration based on recent memory. Um, And then easily the most interesting uh, list in this top eight was the second place deck. This is a 80-card Blue-White Urza Lord High Artificer deck that's also a Yorion deck. It's running two Teferi Time Raveler, three asper Sentinel, four Ingenious Smith, four Solitude, four Stoneforge Mystic, four Thraben Inspector, haven't seen that in Modern in a minute, four Urza Lord High Artificer, three Ephemerate, two Metallic Rebuke, two Remand, a Cauldra Complete, four Mishra's Bauble, a Nettle Cyst, three Portable Hole, a Relic of Progenitus, a Shadow Spear, three Springleaf Drum, one Sword of the Meek, two Thopter Foundry, and thirty-one lands, including four Urza Saga. So you got four Urza Saga, four Urza Lord High Artificer. Bonus points for theme. No doubt.
1: I mean, uh, this is a sweet-looking list, and you've got... Ephemerate is just value all over the place. They, you're gonna try to kill something of theirs, and for one mana, they're gonna save it and get the, um, the enter the battlefield trigger again. You're best cases you're gonna flicker the esper sentinel and you're not gonna get anything immediately on that but you drew a card because they cast it on creature spell so you're pretty safe there and the the one of's here for stoneforge like you're i think you're always going for a cauldra complete first i would imagine but nettle as a fun little like i've got all these construct tokens and portable holes laying around and just let me make this amazing plus you've got uh I like two Thopter Foundry and one Sword of the Meek in an 80-card deck. That's your combo, but you've got so many ways to find things. I'm surprised this deck didn't find space for uh, War of Invention, honestly.
0: There's a lot of cute things going on here. Urza, of course, has synergy with his own land, because when he comes into play, he makes a construct token exactly the same way that Saga makes construct tokens, and the more of them you have in play, the better they all get. Um, you also have Ingenious Smith doing so much work when they have seven artifact lands, because Ingenious Smith's first, first block of text as a 1 1 for 1 and a white is when it enters the battlefield, you look at the top four cards of your library, you may reveal an artifact card from among them and put it in your hand, put the rest on the bottom in any order. Second block of text is any artifacts that come into play, give it a plus one plus one counter. So if you're behind on lands, you can use it to go get a a Darksteel Citadel, which is an indestructible artifact land. Or if you need colored lands, you've got access to the Razor Tide Bridges that comes into play tapped, indestructible blue-white land out of MH2. And that means this thing is kind of a Sakura tribe elder or it can go get a combo piece from if you've got one half of sword or thopter you can get the other half you can go get an asper sentinel if you've got a reason for that maybe you're looking to pull out one of your pieces of equipment you're behind on board against red and you need a shadow spear to get some lifelink going a lot going on here
1: it's also uh, a good time for uh, all of the uh, shenanigans in the sideboard like you've got only three cards that are more than a one-of. You got three Spreading Seas, the two Blossoming Calm, which is just amazing, it seems like. And then the two ether Dust, and then it's just one of here, one of there. Just all these things that are amazing. Like I am not good enough at Modern to know when you sideboard in a single copy of Dispatch into your 80-card deck, but uh, this person, whose name is jace to face also, also good also very good yeah so they they knew what they were about you know when you bring in a singleton in an 80 card deck you have impressed the hell out of me
0: so here's the thing there's other stuff going on here it's it's again it's a yori on list so it just so happens that all 23 of the creatures have come into play abilities uh except esper sentinel um ingenious smith again, goes and searches something up. Solitude's going to get to exile something. Stoneforge Mystic goes and searches up an equipment. Thraven Inspector investigates, which is partial card draw. And then Urza's going to create another construct token. And then if you have happen to be using a portable hole at the time that you set off Yorion, you get to reset that if there's something relevant to reset it to. Reset and... your living
1: weapon to- uh, equipment. Exactly,
0: yeah. Kaldra, Complete and Nettlesys would re- reset themselves to have a token to equip to.
1: And you've got outs to the infinite combo decks in the format. Like I can deal and I can make uh, the ar- the same arbitrary number of creatures. Cause I've got Urza sort of the Meek and Thopter foundry. That's just boom, boom, boom. Here we go.
0: Yeah. This is, there's a lot of fun things going on here. Uh, and just amazing to me that this, this deep into a very robust and established format, we're still seeing fresh brews emerge. Um, with a lot of cards from that were released in the last year. just goes to show the, the power level of stuff that's been pushed into Modern from MH2 and, and surrounding sets. Char Belcher was in third. Oops, All Belcher in fourth. Uh, variants uh, on a theme. Both of these running tons of DFC Mythic lands. We've mentioned this a couple of times in recent weeks because these, these decks have been showing up a lot lately that were paper to come back tomorrow. I would definitely have an eye on these Mythic lands because it's exactly the kind of thing... That you could have, you know, 6 or 7% of a, a meta show up and run at a modern GP and suddenly the vendors are under pressure to produce these Mythic lands in quantity since every player that needs them needs like 20. Uh, we got Hammer Time in 5th, New Jund in 6th, Hammer Time again in 7th, and Grixis Shadow rounding out that top 8 from Saturday in 8th. Now, over uh, in the challenge on Sunday, things got even spicier arguably you've got the red white boom bust crack the earth brew finishing both first and seventh this was a deck that i think i saw somebody had top eighted within the last 10 days and then i think jim davis posted an article for cool stuff uh and a video that he put up on youtube running the deck and apparently people picked it up and ran with it, adjusted it a little bit. I think a spike ran it a little bit on his stream. This has got 15 creatures, one Beaumont Courier, four Dragon's Rage Channeler, four Esper Sentinel, four Ragavan. Nothing super surprising. If you're in red and white, you're going to run those 12 creatures. Two Voldarin Epicure is a bit of tech that wasn't in some of these lists, presumably because it's a 1-1 that incidentally creates a blood token that gives you something to sack, to crack the earth, to break the parity further beyond uh, Flagstones of Trukair, because of course the whole thing here is that this deck has four Flagstones, and they can use Boom Bust or Crack the Earth to get rid of an opponent's land, or make them sack some other permanent if they don't want to sack a land. In the case of Crack the Earth, and then you're just replacing Flagstones of Trukair with some other land out of your deck.
1: I mean, what what's not to love? You're you're taking these cards that are supposed to be, you know, spreading the pain around evenly. And saying no, 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 your pain is so much worse than my pain, and that honestly, if that doesn't put a smile on your face, you're playing the wrong format. You know these modern. Sorry, go ahead. Well, these modern decks are like none. Most of these decks are not running a huge amount of land, and um, the ones that are tend to be like the Yorion decks will run like you know 29, 30 lands, but otherwise you're in the 22 to 24. These are these are tight, tight lists. And, you know, messing them up by just a couple of lands is going to go a long, long way.
0: I mean, the Tron builds in Amulet Titan are also more resilient to land destruction, for sure, just because of their land counts.
1: If they get off the ground, yeah.
0: But, yeah, I mean, I've I've tried to make Boom, Bust, Crack the Earth work before in Modern. I don't know if I didn't have the tools or I'm an inferior deck builder, probably a bit of both. Um, But I'm very pleased to see this uh, emerging in the format and taking down a challenge or two this is again an- another fresh build that people will have to contend with and we really are living in a golden age of modern as far as i'm concerned
1: it's also a Luris deck uh in case you thought that the the companions weren't uh prevalent enough you know here's some more going at it
0: finishing things off there's four prismatic ending four lightning bolt four mana Tide, for the oh. extra, a- extra oh. rubbins four mish's bobble and a shadow spear um, so yeah, very, very streamlined, very interesting deck that is low slung, uh, hammer time in second, blue, black, mill in third, four color, you in fourth. And then the other very spicy brew here, a mono red deck, but it's not burn and it's not some of the other variants we've seen. It's not a prowess deck. Um, this is a deck built around Chandra dressed to kill. Which is a version of Chandra that we have not seen in modern before, to my knowledge. Um, if it's shown up in a top eight modern, it must—it might have been in the fall one week, but I can't remember that for sure. This is the Chandra that set uh, is three mana for a three loyalty Planeswalker. It plus ones to add a red to your mana pool and deals one damage to up to one target player or Planeswalker. Tell you, if that, if that targeted creatures, this w- would be seeing a lot more play in this board.
1: It would cost more mana. Like, that's that's too good. Adding a mana and dealing a damage? No.
0: It also plus ones to exile the top card of your library. If it's red, you may cast it this turn. And this is a mono red deck with a, just a few artifacts. And then minus seven doesn't really matter because I'm sure you never get there. Uh, four Dragons for each channeler, four Ragavan, four seasoned Pyromancer. For light up the stage for lightning bolt for unholy heat for pyrite spell bomb for soul guide lantern, for seal of fire, very streamlined land package for arid mesa for den of the bugbear, eight mountains and four urza saga. Uh, something's wrong with that land package because there's nothing for mesa to get except mountains. But I maybe that's on purpose just to have a be lower land sling. count for yeah, a,
1: chandras plus yeah,
0: yeah. I guess that I guess that's true. I thought maybe they had a, a planes hiding in the sideboard for something but they don't. It's also an Obosh deck because everything costs either 1 or 3.
1: It's just um, for fun.
0: <laughs> and four Blood Moon, four pillage in the sideboard. This is very fun stuff. And Chandra Just to Kill is therefore a card worth keeping your eye on for the foil borderless. Not only is the art pretty nice, uh, but last I checked, when I first spotted this deck this weekend, there wasn't that much of of these lying around. Keep in mind that any particular this is basically the same rarity as Kojima Soren, right? In in all circumstances, and uh, which is not a which means it's relatively rare. And uh, wait, maybe that's not true. There's no showcase version of Chandra, right?
1: No, there's only the borderless.
0: Right. Okay. So it's not play- it's not as rare it's not as rare as Soren then.
1: It is going to be. Um, I haven't finished doing the math for this Friday's article yet, but like there, it's not as simple as there's three versions of Soren and two versions of Chandra. I got to look at how many different uh, cards can come up in that slot. It's probably a bit more common than Kojima Soren, but not by a huge amount.
0: I I think that in this slot in the Cbs. You can. This is going to be twice as common as Soren, because Soren could be Dracula Sorin or Showcase Soren, and this can only be this.
1: I I reserve judgment until I've. Uh, this is my article for Friday, so. Well, no, no, uh, but not uh, from
0: this set. This is from this is from Midnight Hunt. Sorry, Vow, Crimson Vow.
1: Oh yeah, I got to go back and look at that. You're right. I'm sorry.
0: But I'm pretty su- I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure in that slot that you can't pull a regular pack foil Chandra. That would be in a different slot. So I think that in fancy slot, if you see a Chandra, it's twice as rare as a Sorn. So corrected. But that being the case, there's still only 34 listings and they start at $30. bucks. i am willing to bet this is a future $50 or $60 card on casual collector demand alone, just because it's a great piece of art for Chandra. And there's a relatively steep ramp forming... And I don't think a ton of Vow is going to get opened past this that's, point.
1: That's good thinking. All
0: right, so wrapping up this week in uh, Modern Magic Online, we have Char Belcher again in sixth, another uh, copy of the Red, White, Boom, Bust deck, I think, minus the Voldaren Epicures in that one, and they then add, Blue, and White.
1: They had Chromatic Star instead just for the uh, I draw a card while you lose a land.
0: That's That might be better, right?
1: I mean, it's 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 a it's one mana less is the main thing, is that you're you're getting two permanents for boom bust off your one mana, on um, doing that. So it, I don't know which is really better. Better.
0: Yeah, there's some there's some edge cases because sometimes you might want the blood token to cycle. Uh, and then yeah, eighth was blue white control. So pretty interesting week in modern for sure. Moving on over to Segment 2, Top Paper Movers, we've got uh, some, a lot of stuff going on mostly to do with uh, Neon Dynasty hype. We've got Days Undoing from Origins still on the move, $10 to $12, just 20% gains, but that's legacy pressure doing that because that nurse It Days Undoing deck keeps showing up in that format, at least on Magic Online where people are playing it. We've got Tetsuo Umazawa, that's the Legends version going from 200 to 280 on tcg player that's 40 percent gains again that's going to be neo hype just drawing attention towards the card we've got meltdown out of urza saga that's been on the move for the last couple of weeks uh based on usage in uh legacy as well going from 9 to 13 um 44 gains very interesting to see anything move in paper from legacy right now there there had the number of legacy tournaments in north america this past weekend has to be less than 10
1: i'm always surprised by that too but it could just be people are um digging out their copies and getting what they can for it and now it's just you know feeding off of itself because everybody says oh this is the card to play
0: i also think that there is an underestimated elasticity of interest for a certain segment of the highly enfranchised Magic base. And what I mean by that is that despite COVID being about two years long at this point and probably pushing into three, maybe four, um, Magic players are still willing to buy cardboard. Yeah. Not not all of them. I've certainly seen some people drop out along the way. We've had a few pro traders that have said, hey, I'm not really into Magic right now or I can't afford it right now. But the vast majority of our people have stayed put. And these are a very good, cross like a pretty representative cross section of middle-aged enfranchised magic players that are have definitely been adding to their collections despite not having tremendous amounts of play opportunities
1: i agree uh i speaking of things that i can't believe are actually uh going up in price uh foil curse of the swine from theros uh, has gone from about five to eight on the back of uh the new legend that means everything you target is one less so it's basically blue blue to exile x creatures and then their controllers get a 2 2 sheep.
0: Yeah, so that's Hanada the Dawn Crowned, or Hanada Dawn Crowned. Uh, one Jeskai for a 4 4 Flying Trample, Kieran Spirit. Uh, looking like a pretty fun commander to build. I don't think we have data on.
1: Uh... It's not on EDH Rec yet. Uh, I
0: think it actually is on EDH Trek, but zero decks registered so far so they've just got that out the door more be more interested to see whether it rises into the top five the next couple of weeks um probably pretty early to be looking at that data but hanada basically says spells you cast cost one less to cast for each target and then spells your opponent's cast cost one more to cast for each target so anything that they target is taxed and anything that you target, if it's, say, an X spell, like Curse of the Swine, it, the X is basically at zero. And you're just paying the base cost. So there's a bunch of related X spells that are on the move as a result. And it also makes things like uh, Crackle with Power. We got a Strixhaven, significantly more interesting. Ooh, that is good. I picked up some of the foils of that uh, in response to this being revealed, because Crackle with Power is triple x double red and says crackle with power deals five times x damage to each of up to x targets so if we have five targets it would normally cost you 17 mana but with current with hanada this would be drawn down to if you have five targets you're going to re- re- uh, be taken down to just two red I've, do I have that right, or is it only going to reduce it by 5 to 12 mana?
1: I think it's 12, but higher math was never really my subject.
0: <laughs> it's basic basic addition, but sure. If the, it's only
1: basic addition, how come neither one of us is li- immediately jumping in with, yes, this is the answer?
0: Because we're not so smart. I mean, yeah. it, it it reduces by one per target. So I think you add up the total cost. So if you have five targets, you're going to have 17. And it's going to cost you twelve. Yeah. But if you had if you had three targets, it'd be eleven minus three is eight, and then you would deal five times three, so fifteen damage to those three targets. So that could clear a table for eight, eight mana, like wipe out your opponents in the mid to late game.
1: That is really hard to argue with.
0: And that's assuming we've got the math wrong. Right? If we're wrong and it, <laughs> re- it reduces all those X's to zero, then it's, it's re- insanely broken. Um, bottom line: crackle with power foils. You can get that. There, it's a mythic, and those foils are still sitting around at three dollars.
1: Yep, that's uh, that's the glory of, of finding these. I think that's a that's a really solid pick, and I'm surprised neither one of us thought of that for the cards to watch segment.
0: Well, first I want to see that Hanada is is a big deal because currently all of the movement we're seeing on this is speculative movement for the most part. I don't, when you see a bunch of like related foils to a specific commander take off the week of reveal, most of that's coming from the vendor speculator side. Some players might throw their hat into the ring to snap off some stuff they want, but the majority of players are going to build over the next three to six months slowly but surely so we still have to test these plateaus now that said um we've also got crater hoof behemoth from secret layers the non-foils going from 28 to 48 71 percent no particular reason for that right well uh, that... this
1: was the uh the extra life secret layer right yeah so this was the one that was only available for one weekend
0: Sure, but I mean that there's no impetus this week that's related to Neon Dynasty or anything. It's oh just no, no, the no na- yeah, no, the natural turning of the good. yeah, yeah, it's just turning of the wheel. Um, because even the commander that was revealed that has the attack triggers is not in green, right? It's in red, white, black.
1: Right, that is correct. And yeah, Create Host is not does. an attack trigger anyway.
0: Right. So that's bottom line. Secret layers continue to produce uh fervent charge foil extended arts uh on the other hand are wait fervent no that's not fervent charge that's uh fervent champion
1: oh that makes a lot more sense
0: (laughs) a lot more sense fervent champion foil extended arts edival drain foils went from 11 to 20 that's the red white stoneforge modern deck which is the other new and interesting red white deck uh, because fervent Champion allows you to equip uh, swords for free, which is very nice. Yes. And, and Aspiring Spike has claimed multiple trophies in the last two weeks using this deck, and I'm sure that is a, a solid port part of the uh, of the movement here. It doesn't look like a flash in the pan. It looks like a very consistent aggro uh, shell that stands alongside a bunch of the other options in the format. I'm not convinced it's going to be super popular overall. But there weren't all that many Fervent Champion foil extended arts sitting around to begin with. Uh, we've also got Honden of Seeing Winds, just the non-foil copies, even though that was an uncommon out of Champions of Kamigawa. I think that was also appeared in multiple sets in the last 10 years, at least Eternal Masters, maybe something else, I'd have to double check. But these went from $3 to $9, the original copies. That's definitely on the back of Goshintai of Life's Origin, the new Shrine Commander. Crack the Earth, of course, foils from Betrayers of Kamigawa moving from $3 to $4 to 12, 250% gains or so on that red-white modern deck we just discussed. Sanctum of all non-foils from M21 going from $1 to $5 on the back of Goshintai of Life's Origin. I have a Russian foil I pulled out of the collection that I got to get up for sale. See if somebody wants to bite on that. And then <laughs> Art- Artificer's Intuition from Fifth Dawn uh nonfoil is going from 250 to 14 on the back of a containment construct combo containment construct is this new artifact that looks combo tastic uh 2-1 for an artifact creature construct for two mana whenever you discard a card you may exile that card from your hand if you do you may play that card this turn so it does a bunch of craziness with lion's eye diamond and and other stuff and gets wild in legacy apparently uh and then top of the heap this week is Fervent Charge out of Apocalypse. Uh, nonfoils going from $1 to $6. $5 gain, 500%. And that one is on the back of Isshin. Uh, trying to find the full name of that. I think that was out of the Commander decks, not out of the...
1: No, it's it's the regular one. It's Ishin Two Heavens as one. It's right. uh, the Mardu colors for a 3-4. If a creature attacking causes a triggered ability of a permanent, you control the trigger. That ability triggers an additional time. So you get the uh, attack trigger panharmonicon going on.
0: Well, and Fervent Charge says whenever a creature attacks, it gets plus, plus, plus two, plus two until end of turn, right? So this yes. means creatures creatures that attack on your side with Ishin and Plague get plus four, plus four.
1: Yeah, uh, I've, I've got Fervent Charge in my... Um... My warrior tribal deck, and uh, it's funny to see this card get a chance to shine. So good job.
0: righty moving on over to top Magic Online movers of the week. We got Recruiter of the Guard out of the treasure chests, going from twelve point five six ticks to almost twenty ticks, fifty six percent gains. I don't know what the impetus was there. I think it may have been removed from the treasure chests um, based on the latest update, but I gotta double check. Rashad in port out of M twenty five, one point three point four two ticks to almost six ticks, seventy four percent gains or so. It was a Legacy Challenge winner recently, four of in Death and Taxes. Vivian Arcbow Ranger was top of the heap for Magic Online movers this week, going from 1.72 ticks to 4.52 on the back of multiple Pioneer top eights in the last little while as a four of in Mono Green.
1: And it's good to see something in Pioneer causing some movement. I'm glad that it gets something, you know, you remember what that was like right before the pandemic where everybody was going crazy over Pioneer cards?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they wrote a Wired article about us blaming us for all the woes and magic finance on the basis of Pioneer and that it was a complete nothing burger, which is uh, endlessly amusing to me. The um, third segment of the week, Cards to Watch. But I guess before we get into that, we do have a, a little something to share from our sponsor. It's likely a good time to remind you all about the Cool Stuff Inc. customer rewards program. The more you buy with our 5% off coupon, Finance5, the closer you get to even higher rewards, including up to 15% off magic singles and assorted minis. You can head on over to CoolStuffInc.com today to build your loyalty and save big. And I got to tell you, this is no BS. That's a very good program. If you buy regularly from Cool Stuff, you are going to get some very solid savings off their retail pricing on card singles and well worth your time to look into that. Now, moving on over to cards to watch. I've got a couple here that I already mentioned on the ProTrader Discord this week. I was doing a best idea. We have a best ideas channel, which is stuff that only our mods and staff can post in. And there's been a bug in the back of my head uh, for the last several months because Travis and I have butted heads a couple times on the premise that Travis believes old border foils. Uh, are not as popular as people imagined they would be when they were announced. Uh, And he bases a lot of this on what happened to the pricing of Old Border Foils from Time Spiral Remastered um, in the few months after they were released, and really up until recently. Thing is, I've been tracking this along the way, and I have always felt that rather than the Old Border Foils from TSPR being disappointing, I would argue that the market was simply uncertain as to how to price these cards because they were a unique rarity. People need to remember that the Old Border Foils and Time Spiral Remastered boxes showed up about once every 27 packs. So I think out of 18 boxes I opened of Russian Time Spiral Remastered, I got about, I think, 25 different OBFs. And people, the vendors that were cracking didn't have a ton of this product because it was relatively limited. It was limited distribution to uh, LGSs. This product uh, was not widely available at Walmart, et cetera. And so its retail distribution was lessened versus almost every other product of the year. Like there there was less of TSPR than almost anything. Um, And as a result, prices got posted for OBFs and quite a few of them have drifted down over time. So let me give you an example. We have Sram, which you called on cast shortly ago. It's 23,000 decks on EDH rec, but it's, and it's only got 15 listings. A magic number. A lot of this stuff I looked at is 15 or 16 listings left on TCG Player with no major walls. Starts around $20, which is pretty close to what you called it at, and it's heading up a steep curve towards 40 That card started significantly higher last spring drifted down bounced off a low and is starting to rise back up and you see that over and over again you've got vanquishers banner 42,000 edh rec it's at about 16 listings as well starting near 28 headed for 50 plus but it drifted down from 40 rebounding off 20 back in november so along these lines i've got a couple of key picks that uh that i hollered uh at the pro traders about on saturday i think it was no, maybe it was middle and out last week. But here we go for those of you that are not in the ProTrader Discord. Bajuka Bog Old Border Foil. This thing is in 150,000 EDH rec decks. Now, I would caution that because this has showed up in so many commander uh, pre con decks, that number is definitely skewed. But right. it is still an extremely popular card, a utility land that has very low. Cost to include in any black deck that wants black and wants to have an incidental way to deal with graveyards at a at a key point in the game. It also sees modern and legacy and vintage play. It's in people's cubes, um, and this one is down to just 16 listings as well, facing a very steep ramp. And given that it's got eternal format demand and cube demand, I'm not surprised to see that it's currently holding about $75. But I think it's going to go from. It's going to end up between 100 and 150 in the next six months. I'm going to call it 75 to 130 for 70% plus gains for argument's sake. But I think anywhere in that 100 to 150 range is is a pretty safe bet for a landing spot for 2022. There just isn't very much of this left. There are no pallets of TSPR sitting around waiting to be opened. And you're very unlikely to see major walls posted up to interrupt the slow, steady gain on this stuff. And I think that this underscores my greater point, which is that while the market may have mispriced against immediate demand, there's enough trailing demand and ongoing demand for this stuff and expanding demand as they give us more old border foils. You know, TSBR landed before Modern Horizons 2. Modern Horizons 2 gave us more old border foils and more reason to try to get matchy-matchy with our decks. And as they continue to expand the old border foil availability... There will be more and more of that lingering demand that's going to be chasing a shrinking supply, especially of the old border foils. Sometimes, File Remastered.
1: I'm not going to argue with you on uh, how good the old border foils are. Uh, you know, like, like you said, it requires to get a specific old border foil, you're going to need to open on average 121 boxes because you average around like 1.1, 1.2 uh foils per box so you're and you've got one sheet of foil so you're gonna get one usually one foil per box you heard about people you know opening a box and getting none that sucks that's statistics for you and just the sheer number of of decks that want to play this and use this effect for free um i'm with you i i don't see anything that's going to stop us and i i think you're right that a lot of people were turned off by the really high price immediately and that let the prices come back down. So this one and uh, you've you've got another one that you're going to talk about in a minute here uh, seem like a slam dunk for, you know, if you want to get your copy now at the cheapest price you can, then you should do that. And if you wait, it is only going to cost you more. Nobody likes that feeling.
0: This is one of those cases where I think if you have a collector argument for acquiring the card,
1: there are definitely people who want to collect the full set in all the full set of old border foils from Time Spiral. Yes.
0: Well, side topic. I'm pretty sure we ran a group buy up front for complete sets of the English old border foils, and pro traders paid whatever for those, and for sure could have spent less on them had they waited three to six months. But in anybody who's still holding their sets and and is decides to go for it for the long term and is willing to hold one to three years is probably going to end up up on top because a those prices are rebounding and pushing higher not all of them but the top tier of the cards for sure and that's going to drag the whole set value up and then b it's going to be hard to find a complete set unplayed out in the wild i mean it basically already is so if you're on the high-end group on facebook or something in a couple years and, and looking to unload that you should be able to get up some decent money
1: yep Uh, I'm, I'm with you all the way on this. I'm, I'm not sure if it'll get to 130, you know, in a year, it might take a little longer, but, uh, this is a good time to buy in.
0: All right. What's your first selection this week? Uh,
1: my picks this week, uh, I keep coming back to, uh, counters and cool things we can do with counters. And one of the most fun things you can do with counters, uh, I've had the experiment garage deck in the past and, uh, I've, I've played a lot of cards with counters. One of my favorites was verdurous gear hulk. And you can get the Invention version for about $40 on TCG Player. And there is uh, not a huge amount of Near Mint foils available on there. Uh, they're almost all priced in the 40 to 50 range. But it's in not a huge amount of EDH decks. It's only... I looked this up earlier. I think it's around 5000 but if you're looking for a way to put counters on creatures, uh, the Gear Hulk is the fun way to do it, and you definitely want to get you know one of the cheapest inventions that you can. Uh, it's in officially 5,200 EDH decks, but it's one of the cheapest. Uh, if you look at inventions by price, uh, this is uh, one of them. I think the uh, the red or the white Gear Hulk is always going to be the cheapest. So um, right now, like I said, you can get these for around forty, and it's not going to take a lot of people who want to pick these up to push it to around seventy-five dollars, and that should happen sometime in the next six to twelve months or so.
0: This has come off a high last summer uh, in the low fifties and has drifted back down to having copies in the thirty-five to forty-dollar range. But as you said, there's only like there's less than thirty listings left. There's a relatively steep ramp. They don't sell all that often, but they do sell onesie twosie a week kind of thing. And there's no replacement on these other than buy list. Which again, vendors still don't have access to regular buy listing, though I'm sure some have adjusted by shifting their efforts online. The the reality is that given enough time, this will go up. I think this is I like this better as a um A collector card with potential upside than i do as an immediate spec because i don't think this is going to be a card that people are going to feel they have to go after right now but it does fit very well in the counters matters themes of kamigawa so if one of the related commanders comes to the forefront then this gets more interesting i can buy that i mean Uh, i run this into track i have two versions of tracks that tracks the planeswalkers and attracts the counters and I do run this encounters, and I do run this version, so the use case exists.
1: What's uh What's your next pick then?
0: So the other old border foil that I think is relevant, specifically this week, um, on the ter- the on the heels of your SRAM pick, which is relevant because of Neon Dynasty things, is Ninja of the Deep Hours OBF. Um, this set, you know, people expected there to be great ninjas in here that would bolster Yuriko. Uh, and indeed there are and there are also additional uh, ninja commander options that this has coughed up as well so satoru umazawa uh, is the top built commander so far early on for edh rex so between yuriko and satoru going to be plenty of demand for ninja of the deep hours and the old border foil is down to 15 listings steep ramp it's going to go in every ninja deck 7500 listed on EDH rack, but I bet it'll be twelve or thirteen thousand by summer, uh, given the amount of new ninja decks people will build. And these are currently available around twenty five dollars, and I bet you it'll go twenty five to forty or forty five for potentially eighty percent gains.
1: Yeah. Uh this I didn't know they were this cheap, and I might go buy a few. Uh Old Border Ninja the Deep Hours. It's got the um, appeal to everybody who's been playing ninjas. This is about as good as ninjas get you get that free card and then you're getting card advantage you can bounce some stuff you can do all kinds of broken things and uh like you said the old border foils nowhere to go but up so this uh i am i'm even a bigger fan of this one because you can get a lot more movement on the um on a lower buy-in i feel like and especially with the ninjas coming the fact that this hasn't gone up yet is kind of surprising to me
0: well, they've definitely been hollowing out. I mean, they didn't get to 15 listings slowly but surely over the last year. They've they've picked up in terms of their, their movement. It's worth noting that there are cheap copies of this card available. Um, you can get this out of... Let's see. Uh, can you get foils? I guess in Mystery Boosters, it was not foil. Yeah, so I guess this is the only foil other than the original from right. Betrayers of Kamagawa. Uh so that matters. <laughs> matters quite a bit. I, I think that Ninjas is going to be a fun it is going to continue to be popular between Yuriko and the other options. And a lot of these ninjas cards are a lock for the deck. Like you and and I think the deck is fun enough and there's a lot of cute ways to build it. That it's the kind of deck that people will keep together for a while. I don't think it's the kind of deck you'll play for two weeks, get bored of, and then and then retire. Um, and it's Yuriko tends to be strong without being utterly busted. So if you're playing with other seven eight style decks, and you're not going out of your way to combo, you're just playing value, then you know it's probably going to be table friendly.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm I'm with you on that. I'm I'm clicking around on the prices, and this almost looks like a typo that you can get uh all right there's only a a couple of original betrayers foils under 30 and then you've got a a handful more at the 40 to 45 range so that's uh that's a surprise to me that you can get either an old border foil or the original betrayers foil from 2005 you know that that's a surprise i wouldn't have thought I would have thought the original foil was much more expensive.
0: It's because it was a common, so it, t- it took some time to hollow out. But I remember buying foil Ninja the Deep Hours two years ago at about $10 each. And a few more when we got the Kamigawa reveal last year between 13 and 15 And since then, they've nearly doubled. And I would sus- suspect that my remaining copies will sell somewhere between 30 and 40 um, it's going to get to the point where the original foil is just impossible to find. You only, you only really need like a hundred to 250 ninja players to decide they're foiling their deck for those to dry up completely.
1: Yeah. And I, I respect uh, the decision between, do I want the old border foil or do I want the original pack foil? That is a question to which the answer is yes.
0: All right. So give me your next selection here.
1: Uh, my other pick this week is also on the counters Uh, is foil copies of Hardened Scales. Um, This is out of uh, Kanzatark here, and there haven't been any extra uh, copies of this really printed. Uh, Let me make sure, because we had it in a couple of um, supplementary things, but we didn't get anything in foil. So Hardened Scales is in uh, 21,000 Commander decks, yeah, it was in Commander 2016 and the Commander Anthology, and then you have your Konzertarkeer like promo packs and your pre-release foils. But uh, you can find the regulars for around nine dollars and the foils for around fifteen, and fifteen is just too low. We don't have any uh, modern decks that have pushed Hardened Scales foils back up into a high price range. Uh, you remember we we've had literally decks based around Hardened Scales. But this amount of goodness in Commander, plus this low a supply of foils, means that uh, this is due for a correction upward. And I am looking forward to seeing this, you know, take a big jump. I'm saying 15 to probably 30 sometime in the next 12 months. Uh, Let me look up what we are at.
0: I think if it dodges reprint risk, it's going to be sooner, because we're down to 11 listings and a fairly steep ramp towards 20. Um, The thing is, there are two risks that I think you need to dodge. A Kamigawa-themed secret layer to be revealed very shortly here could include hardened scales as a nice uh, uh, accoutrement alongside all of the plus one, plus one counters matters cards in the set. Or it could catch a reprint in double masters. And because there's no fancy version of scales to go after, if they reprint with the same art, then there's just going to be infinity uh pack foils just like there was with all the foil rares out of double masters 1 because we know we're getting vip packs again and if they do vip packs the same way where they are just stuffed full of foils then you will not want to be holding most of the foil rares other than the very very best of them now if it dodges both of those things then your target is a lock because it because it because it's not even just the stuff from Neon Dynasty that pushes this card. This card's just generally good and attracts the counters, and a bunch of other commanders care about plus one plus one counters and happen to be in green. So there's plenty... There's already a broad play pattern EDH that Neon Dynasty just enhances um, with additional cards that make you want this card in your deck alongside at least 10 different commanders. And... You know, as you said, very few foil printings. So if they don't give us any any versions of this this year other than what's already out there, then these should be set to drain. I mean, this has definitely been a pick on this cast before. Right. And, and made some waves when Affinity with this card debuted. People thought it was... It is uh, pretty
1: insane it, with Arcbound Ravager, yes.
0: Well, and people thought it was Fringe and then... It, it turned out that this actually was the correct version of affinity to play the one with scales and that lasted i don't know six or 12 months before the f- format uh moved on wrote yeah moved on to a point where affinity was no longer great anyway i like this one i think it's good and uh, i would just want to be in and out before a reprint occurs but
1: see the thing is is that th- that reprint risk of a secret layer that's everything man like you can't even say that we're not gonna get secret lair old border goodness and hit uh bajuka bog and saram for the one i pick. you know like that that's always going to be a. Ri- it's less likely i'll give you that and uh double masters too that's going to be something that hangs over everything but I- I'm, I'm not going to go forward with a lot of fear about that i can only like make the best choices with what's currently out there and if i get hit say la vie i'm going to get hit but uh i think that being unwilling to make up to pick things up because it might be in double masters too. when we don't know the first thing about double masters too. That's a, uh, that's a little more gun shy than I want to be.
0: Okay. Uh, my final selection this week is auger of autumn foil extended arts. Uh, I'm going to call this to go 15 to 30. It's in 13,000 EDH rack decks so far from being released in crimson vow. Uh, that's a very good number. of all green decks, broadly useful card, doesn't require a specific theme necessarily, just that you have a bunch of creatures of varying powers and toughnesses uh, to get maximum value out of it. Down to 21 listings already and a solid ramp. And the thing is that the double featured foils, well, almost all of them could have showed up on our fast movers this week. The reason I didn't bother to list them all is because I'm not. convinced that the price movement on all of those is much more than speculative at this point uh, it's not clear to me that players actually want those cards and that fresh price plateaus will hold so much as it seems a lot like the ampersand promos from the DD cards related to uh, afr last summer where yes they are indeed extremely rare in terms of how much of them is cracked and available to face the market but there's also a limited number of players that know about slash care about cards in question Um, that being said there's so little of double feature being opened and the price point of the boxes is so high that it doesn't seem like they're going to create much drag against the key cards and in fact the price points of the uh foil uh black and white versions of these tend for the good cards to already be above the foil extended arts from the main original set releases which means you're pretty much in the clear to target whatever you want to that looks like it's getting relatively low. 21 listings is pretty much nothing for a foil extended art rare that came out less than six months ago. Um, This is one of the top cards from uh, Crimson Vow for Commander, according to EDH Rec. You have all of the lands kind of heading things up uh, for that set. Uh, Sorry, Crimson Vow or Midnight Hunt? I think I said Crimson Vow, but I think I meant Midnight Hunt. Let me just double check that. Yeah, Midnight Hunt, (laughs) not not Crimson Vow, but still within the last six months. And still the lands (laughs) are the most popular cards in that set as well, um, since we had back-to-back dual land cycles. Vanquish the Horde is in almost 15,000 decks. Infernal Grasp is in 16,000. And then you have Augur of Autumn in third at 13,000. Now, I'm pretty sure a Pro Trader has suggested Augur of Autumn at some point, but I couldn't find it in my extremely deep inbox. So if somebody can can direct me to having flagged this anytime and we'll say the last six weeks, I'll give them partial credit and throw them the uh, the C- a CSI gift code. Um, but for now, uh, I'm assuming you're okay with this one, yes?
1: I'm okay with this. I, I think uh, any of the good cards, especially if you're getting into the um, the double feature versions, uh, it's a slam dunk considering like how difficult it's, it is to get some of these particular cards in foil. All
0: right, let's move on to the actual Pro Trader selection of the week. We've got Grand Slam Breaks coughing up Scythus Harvest Hand foils out of MH2, uh, not the sketch version, but the regular pack foils, claiming that they will go from 5 to $15 within the year. Part of why they like this is because there are a lot of enchantress uh, friendly cards that were uh, presented in Neon Dynasty, and Sithis is kind of the penultimate enchantress commander. She's an enchantment herself. Uh, she costs green white. Whenever you cast an enchantment spell, you gain a life and draw a card. So uh, a very enchantressy enchantress indeed, and. TCG Direct, uh, low price, seems to be about $10. You got 45 listings left on TCG, no huge walls in play, and a pretty solid ramp. I don't think there's any going to be a huge rush to the door on these or anything, despite what's going on in Neon Dynasty. But it's a Modern Horizon 2 Rare Foil, coming out of an expensive box. And the Sketch version is the alternate, and nobody is going to have any reason to like those over these. Um, so I think the five to 15 call on a 12 month basis seems very entirely reasonable to me.
1: Yeah. Uh, this is, uh, another instance where I wish i thought of it, uh, because we've got a lot of neat enchantment things you can do. Uh, it's true that the commander right now that's going to turn a lot of heads is in red green, but white green enchantress is really the, the home base for this and, It's fantastic in the 99, it's fantastic as the commander, so this is a really good pick.
0: The other thing is, she's in 3,000 decks as the commander, but 6,000 in the 99. So people put her in other enchantress-focused decks, or enchantment-focused decks. And that duality, where you have a commander that can also be used in the 99, is often a pretty good signal that you're in a safe position to move in. Yep. So congrats to Grand Slam Breaks, who wins a $25 gift certificate from Cool Stuff, Inc. One of the many benefits of the ProTrader program uh, vis-a-vis hanging out in our Discord and uh, advancing good ideas. All right, so we're going to move on to our Topic of the Week segment for our Kamigawa Neon Dynasty set review with Commander-in-Chief Jason Alt. Let's go get Jason righty, Jason, welcome back to the cast. Long-time staffer, EDH Rec Commander-in-Chief, Jason E. Alt. How
2: are you, sir? I'm just thrilled to be on my second favorite <laughs> MTG Finance podcast. Wow. Fair enough, fair enough. Wow. I, we'll, we'll allow it. As My first as is uh, MTG Goldfish. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Love Respectable. That podcast. Yeah. Respectable. I have a panharmonicon signed by Saffron when he was sick in Vegas. Didn't get me sick, but, you know.
2: He went to he went to a super spreader event with a disease. Well, this, this was this the same pre, event. pre-COVID. Yeah, this oh, was... Oh, yeah, uh, no. It was yeah. not acceptable to do it then, but, like, nobody is mad at him. That's weird. That's <laughs> just... That's just practicing for poor behavior later. I hope he at least washed his hands kamagawa neon dynasty gentlemen how you feeling about this set have you been talking about this set the whole time and then you brought me in to talk about it more i never know what you guys talk about before you bring me on until i listen to the finished we want
1: the quality wholesome like we don't want you to rehearse we don't want you to sound scripted we want the uh off the cuff jason
2: you want me to sound unprepared
1: Yes, that is also
0: the, the, true. The only references made to Neon Dynasty tonight have been cards to watch. I mentioned Ninja the Deep Hours OBFs as draining out fast and probably going to go 25 to 45 or 50. Woo. Uh, on the back of it being almost impossible to replace them, 7,500 EDH wreck's in every ninja deck. And you've got both Yuriko and Satoru driving that. And then... There's a variety of cards that are on the top paper movers list because of stuff revealed for Neon Dynasty. Everything from Tetsu, Foil Hondens, I bet. Yeah, Hondens and Foil Hondens. You got crack the earth foils from modern on the move. And Fervin Artificer's charge. Intuition. Sure. Fervent charge on the move because of Isshin. Oh, Artificer's Intuition for Temeshi? Uh, containment no. containment construct combo in legacy. Whenever you with,
1: yeah, you discard uh, it and you get to play it.
0: That's cute. So anyway, I've cute. got a little. I've got a little list here. We'll go through top EDH cards, Jason specialty, and then we'll talk a little bit about modern cards, which I think is a relatively shallow list, to be honest, for this set. And then the top chase cards. I think honestly, my my take on the end dynasty is that this is a collector set before it's almost anything else. Um, but let's talk. Start things off with the land everybody's talking about, Boseju who endures. Poster child for a new uh, cycle of rare lands with the channel ability, which seems to be basically free to be included in quite a few modern decks and probably some standard decks, and I would imagine a ton of EDH decks from here to the end of time. You it's say? the
2: number one card in the set, and it's not close. Yeah.
0: So Beseju Who Endures is a legendary land, taps for green, doesn't come into play tapped or anything. No downside other than being legendary. And then you can channel it for one in a green and discard it to destroy target artifact, enchantment, or non-basic land an opponent controls. They get to search their library for a for a land card with a basic land type, put it into the battlefield. So often they're going to get a uh, shock land or a triome. So it's definitely not free. But the card is also channels for one less for each legendary creature you control. So it can go from two cast and cost to one casting cost for this ability, the channel ability. Um, That's a lot of unnecessary text on this card. Sure. I mean, the bottom line is it's <laughs> a potential disenchant <laughs> slash uh, non-basic land destroyer that you may or may not use for mana depending on when you draw it, right?
2: Yeah, it's like the... Um the path to exile to uh what's that one they gain four you destroy an artifact nature's claim nature's yeah. claim yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's kind of like the source of plowshares and this is the uh, the path to exile I kind of I kind of dig it I think it's gonna impact a lot of formats maybe more than EDh but I feel like it's actually the most broken in EDh just because it's the easiest format where you're playing cards to get it back in your hand or put it into play from the graveyard or stuff like that i feel like you don't monkey around with that in other formats so i think it's going to do more in edh but it's going to be just a really busted spell in 75 card formats if we ever play those again people
0: seem very excited about it i'm sure a lot of people are paying some very ridiculous pre-order prices on this
2: card it's a it's a it's pre-ordering for 40 dollars on card kingdom and
1: that's pretty crazy
2: I bring up Card Kingdom because nobody else does in finance because nobody who's buying cards to spec on buys from Card Kingdom because their prices are so high. But Card Kingdom sells a lot of singles, and if they can get away with selling a card for 40, TCG player's not gonna sell it for 22. So I, I feel like knowing the high point of the market from a place with just the best um, the best uh buy list basically. Um, a lot of stock, a lot of gravitas in the community. Um, knowing what they can get away with charging kind of informs where you think the price is going to go. So, people wonder why I talk about Card Kingdom. That's why um, I think it's a very useful data point and TCG mid is not all there is. Here's my theory.
0: <laughs> Here's my theory. Here's my theory on this card. It's going to see... T- plenty of broad-based play lots of it in commander if you're running a green deck you probably want a copy in each green deck Uh, and in modern it's going to see lots of play but primarily as a one or two of and not in every green deck it will depend on which decks we're talking about things like amulet titan are for sure running this and anyone who's running renin 6 probably has reason to have at least one or two copies because you get to Pull this back out of the yard and do it again if you need to against hammer time. Yeah, but but I still this think doesn't that even this... come into play tapped.
1: Nope, no drawback.
0: But if people are trying to figure out which uh, what price point to target these at, I think it's going to be. I think you can wait till summer. And here's why: if you take a look at the Castle cycle from Eldraine or the Triumph cycle from uh, Icoria, they arguably had equivalent impact in terms of the number of formats they were played in, in terms of their uh, utility across multiple archetypes. And yet they all got down into that three to $8 price point. So I think $40 is insane. I think $20 is insane. I want these under $10 for sure. And because it's not a four of in modern, it's going to be a one of one or two of people can't play paper modern right now. And It's just not going to be... It's not coming out of a set like Modern Horizons 2, like Esper Sentinel, that can support a $15 to $20 rare. It's coming out of a standard set that's going to get opened a lot because this is looking like a very popular set. And there's just going to be so many of these opened. Now, I think you can make a case for the foil extended arts. to might, might be something you look for deals on opening weekend if they just get pushed, like, silly low. Foil Extended Arts, even, for key cards, like you're talking about your things like, again, the Castles or Thassa's Oracle or something, you still generally want them under $10 and certainly under 15 So even those, I'm not going to be hyper to pick up in the 20s and 30s. And I have a feeling that as we rotate towards new Capenna and then we've got Double Masters and the Commander Legends 2 set in the summer, once the shine comes off things and we go through that summer lull, there's probably going to be some huge uh, bricks of these opened by the gaming company on TCG Player, and we can dig in a few months down the road.
1: Well, that's generally going to be true for, for most cards. You want to wait uh, you know, two months-ish for the, for the excitement to die off and us to move on to the next uh, shiny thing. And that's, like you said, that's when things get cheap. So that seems pretty... That's, that's a good target. You know, sometime around the beginning of summer you'll want to say, like, what are these uh, utility lands at, and uh, how many can I buy at a reasonable price now that everybody who's saying, give me the card, give me the card, give me the card, uh, now that they're all dealt with, you can move on and get it for uh, a good price.
0: Jason, do you have a a sense of which of the other four of these legendary lands is likely to be most used in EDH? Do you think it's the black one?
2: Uh, I think... Right now, it's so Kenzan.
1: Yeah, the black that's one. The, one.
2: No, that's should... the red one that makes two one one colorless. What's the black
1: one then? Gems. Oh, the black one, Shinka. Yeah, sorry.
0: The black the black one is mill and then return a creature or planeswalker to your hand.
2: I think that's probably better.
0: I think I to me it feels like that's going to do more work long term. <laughs> so Ottawara, I think is the has the broadest application because it doesn't matter what blue deck you're in. Bouncing something, incidentally, is just upside. Mm -hmm. Um, The black one wants you to be in a graveyards Matters deck, which you're not always in in black, but there are multiple popular commanders where it will be relevant. So I think I rank them green,
2: for commander purposes, green, blue, black, red, white. You know what's funny? I kind of think this will be a card people forget to play because I feel like people forget to play the Castle Cycle. Like when that when those cards were new and you're just, like you just had a pile of castle ardenvale on your desk, you just pop one in a deck, but I feel like in a year or two people are gonna forget to play these. And that's always so funny when like your mana base is like Fetchlands, basics, and then whatever came out in the last two years. I mean, I think you're right. I I, I just put together both zombies and
0: vampires recently, and forgot to put Loctwain in both. And Uh, obviously (laughs) it earns that slot. But Vantress is in 37,000 reported decks, 8% of all blue decks on EDH rec, so it's no slouch. Um, I just don't want to see people... I mean, you can get Castle Vantress right now for $1 to $3. Isn't that wild? But the Seiju 4 to 8 seems very reasonable to me. Anything over 10 seems crazy. We'll see how it plays out. So moving right along here, how about Arushi the Blazing Sky which is off to a roaring start on EDH rec as a good mid-range utility dragon with a bunch of different funny little tricks you can play with it.
2: I think this has benefited from being spoiled the longest. That could be well well be the case. Just for the record it is a
0: 4 4 for 4. four. Dragon Spirit, flying trample. When it dies, you choose one. Exile the top two cards of your library until the end of your next turn. You can play those cards until the end of your next turn. People have missed that clause on a few different red cards that have had it. Um, I forget what the Midnight Hunt card was like that, but it was actually really good and limited.
1: Yeah, Reckless Impulse.
0: Yeah, that 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 card was so good in the black red deck. Um, won me multiple multiple games. Uh, being, being able to take a full turn cycle when your man is untapped to play those cards makes a big difference because older red cards used to only let you do it for the turn. Uh, and then if this thing dies, you could instead create three treasure tokens, which I see as being a thing that I might want in a deck, like say Brea or Ozgir or something where I'm fooling around swapping tokens for things in graveyards and whatever. And I just want to have incidental artifacts lying around.
1: I think I told you, uh, uh one of the early shows with this card, uh, I am just foaming at the mouth to put this in the Ur-Dragon deck of mine, and there's not many dragons I want to slam down harder on turn three, because this is just everything I want. It's either I'm going to get two more cards to play, or I'm going to get three treasure tokens, which means that if you kill my 4-4 dragon, I'm going to drop an 8-drop dragon into play next turn. Just, Just sign me up, put this directly into my veins, all the metaphors.
0: Yeah, I, I think the pattern in the dragon decks, and that includes both Ur-Dragon and um, what's-her-face from the summer? Tiamat. Tiamat, yeah. Any, because dragons, as you said, tr- tends to be high-casting cost creatures for, I don't know, 20% of your deck, the ability to punish them for getting rid of a mid-range threat that's hitting them upside the head by putting you ahead on mana... Seems to be a very solid place to be, and those decks like often have trouble finding four drop dragons that are relevant to that game plan. There's plenty of other four drop dragons, but they don't necessarily lead into your lean into your game plan well. So, I think I agree with Jason. Like, it's probably got a head start because it's because of how long, how early in the reveal cycle it showed up. But I think it's gonna be a solid role player. I, as a mythic, do I care about? The fancy version of this, the foil borderless. I do, but I don't think I, I'm in any rush to pick them off. Like I think these will drift down and down and down as they aren't they aren't they're gonna have no relevance in modern, legacy, etc. It's gonna be very much an EDH and maybe standard card thing. No one's playing standard, so I suspect that I can just wait for these to get as cheap as I want. I bet you in Japan
2: they'll be super cheap and just snap them off. Was that Cliff answering, or is that your heart saying yes?
1: <laughs> that was me but uh sometimes i like to be the conscience that jason uh, that uh james doesn't want to listen to to just play giant dragons and eat the table
2: play trash that reminds you of being 13 <laughs> so ginger tax is progress tyrant is this just
0: a big dumb blue threat that's going to see shield red level play jason or is this going to be annoying enough that people are going to be turned off playing it in their
2: playgroups I, I think maybe it's I think this is even worse than Sheldred because like people being able to choose which of their creatures dies is less annoying than having to choose which one of your spells gets countered. I think people are going to work together to destroy this, but like I don't think you want this in your command zone because that puts you in mono blue where you can't cough up seven mana and you certainly will never cough up eleven.
0: But if I'm in green, blue, any green, blue yes. X, this starts to get pretty appealing on turn four or five. As I, this us review, review the text here. It's a 5 5 Phyrexian Praetor legend. Whenever you cast any artifact, instant, or sorcery spell, you copy it and you can choose new targets. Whenever an opponent casts an artifact, instant, or sorcery spell, you counter it. <laughs> nasty, nasty, nasty. I mean, I just think people are going to buy this because it's cool. It's a Praetor there's going to be yeah. a fancy pyrexian version that's going to be chase and it's just fun like this is just a fun card to drop and force the table to deal with which they will because they're going to have to they can't they can't let it sit there um the pyrexian this reminds version me
2: so much of uh, minds dilation in almost every way power level mana cost just well yeah. minds
1: dilation will will get you super far ahead and there's fun ways to cheat enchantments out this is just like it doesn't counter creatures which is A big part of commander and so that there's going to be a lot less like table flipping because of this i think you'll lose more friends with uh original vorinclex than you will with this
2: i think hinata is gonna end up being worse oh um for just to play against just because of the i don't know runs people great arbiter Augustine. so much of edh is your perception becoming your reality huh So when you say that something feels bad to play, like, people are more upset at me for playing, like, for tapping out to do nothing but play a Herald of Lashrak and threaten to steal one land from one of the three boards. Like, everyone's like, okay, this guy played a Herald of Lashrak, so we need to kill him and then kill him first next game. I don't know why people react like that. (laughs) So it's hard to say whether Jenga Texas or like Hinata is going to make people feel that way. But they're just cards where people don't react rationally to them. And I'm I'm thinking perhaps Jenga Texas is going to give people those either old school Vorinclex or like Void Winnower. There's so many cards that just make you not play magic for a while. And it's just so annoying. So not being able to play magic. I don't know. People are not going to love that. Foil Pyrexian is pre-ordering at 200
0: From what I hear, these are extremely rare to pull out of set booster boxes and draft booster boxes. Less so in the CBs, as per usual. But I suspect that this is on the level um, of a lot of the chase cards of the last couple of years. And when these get down to a reasonable low... And, and look like they're ticking back up, I'll certainly be picking some off because I think the combination of collector-side people that are just going to want all five Phyrexian uh, praetors once they come out because we got Vorinclex. We got the f- original five in a secret layer this year, so eventually everyone's just going to want to have all ten because um, we're clearly building up to a narrative here where we're going to fight the Phyrexians again and they're going to give us
2: three more praetors along the way. How are they worse than Ecobolus? That's what I want to know. <laughs>
1: Well, that's why they have a couple of years to tell us this story.
2: Oh, I'm not gonna read any of that.
1: No, I mean they're just gonna, just
2: gonna
1: they're just gonna have these at at random places, and just like they would sneak in a Nicol Bolas appearance here and an appearance there. We're getting like one Phyrexian and one set of like, oh, you should be worried about these guys, and you know we'll get the thirty third version of Tezzeret to go with the. Uh, Universe versus the Phyrexians, Part Two, or whatever we're at.
2: Didn't I read some flavor text where the Wanderer just like cut Jingga Texas in half? Or am I misreading? No, that? that's true.
1: That that happened, but uh, it wasn't enough,
2: apparently. Oh, cool. Yeah, they're like Borg. So if you cut them in half, then there's two Jingga Texas. <laughs> it's
0: like triples. <laughs> the uh... so here's you have a three-two
2: and a two-three, and they. <laughs> One of them counters the instant and one of them copies it. That'd be awesome.
0: If I'm looking at some potential targets for long-term bricks, I gotta at least consider this cycle of uncommon mana cost reducers along certain themes. We've got Jukai Naturalist, Green and White for a 2-2 lifelink human monk that makes your enchantment spells cost one less. You got silver for a master, blue black, two-two, rat ninja, ninjutsu blue-black ninjitsu abilities you activate cost one less to activate and then other ninja and rogue creatures you control get plus one plus one and then enthusiastic mechanot blue red two two flying goblin artificer artifact spells you cast cost one less to cast
2: this reminds me of that the cycle from what was that onslaught the uh goblin warchief stuff like that that cycle oh uh legion yeah the
0: the, I guess the most broadly applicable here is probably enthusiastic mechanot, because artifact decks are probably more popular overall than enchantment based and and ninja decks.
2: Oh, ninjas! So, it's it's clearly the most narrow, but yeah, all Artifact spells that's busted.
0: Yeah, but but silver for master, given that how popular Yuriko is, yeah, still has to be in the in, in, in consideration for bricking, just because anything that is ninja focused. <laughs> and is good in ninjas, is going to be an auto-play in ninjas forever. And they're also probably not going to give you a ninja-themed commander deck again anytime soon. So this is probably what you've got to work with for Yuriko for the foreseeable future, given that we're out of the old cycle of three-set blocks. And then Jukai Naturalist goes into pretty much every uh, enchantress deck
2: that you could possibly want to play. Well, it itself is an enchantment creature, which is very appealing
0: yeah so i mean to me these all look like bricks but i want them super 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 cheap like i want to get them for eight cents on tcg player and then buy list them for 24 cents to ck two years later or something
1: well remember that Mechanaut and naturalist and uh master splint the silver for master those are all promos too those are in the uh, special frame same art but they've got the planeswalker symbol and the two colors going on
0: yeah that's that's worth noting as well although if we were in a cycle, an LGS cycle where people could actually show up to FNM and pick them up, I'd be, I'd be more concerned about the promos. However, one of the things that can happen if, if your LGS do- can't hand out all the promos is they just post them on TCG player, <laughs> which could in- indeed end up with a glut of each of these in promo form. That's going to take a while to burn out. So I'm not in a huge rush to grab these, pick these off. I'm going to be looking for price weakness and strong play patterns. And go from there. Um, how about kadoma of the West Tree, Jason? Completion of a, what, 15 or 20 year cycle? And that pretty good card in Counters Matters decks.
2: Yeah, I like, it's a little bit more narrow than I like. I certainly don't like the, uh, the $15 pre-sale price tag.
0: Oh no, that very, sounds very silly. This is going to get dirt cheap. Even though it's a mythic and not a rare. It's a 3-3 three, three for 3. Legendary creature spirit with reach. Modified creatures you control have trample, which is anything that is equipped. Auras you control or and kill. counters are modifications. modification. So if they've got an aura on them, if they're equipped or they have counters, they will have trample. And whenever a modified creature you control deals combat damage to a player, you search your library for a basic land card put it on the battlefield tapped. So it's a ramping tool in a... Go hard, go wide, counters, creature deck. So if I'm playing a Trax, a counters, I probably find room for this. And uh, Azuri,
2: Yeah, maybe? Seems like
0: probably wants this.
2: I mean, this goes in green-white decks, too. Like, green-white typically doesn't have a ton of trample. I would imagine you're
0: supposed to look at the foil extended arts of these and track them pretty closely against the patterns for a Shia and what was the other green oh ancient green warden out of ZNR. whatever those did this is probably going to do something similar and they've taken a they've taken about till now to start hollowing out
1: here's a question for you um you're talking about green white so the um i can like the all the gideon juras that turn into creatures right are those modified because they have planeswalker counters on them
2: I... it's a counter yeah. right whether it's the akoria yeah. death touch counter or something like that yeah, yeah. The, lo- so. the loyalty
0: counters are still on gideon while he's attacking it's not like he creates a token or anything they just don't have relevance to the creature but i guess godoma would probably still see those t- those tokens
1: that those seems counters. neat so your gideon That's gets in there and gets uh get some damage in what el- what other planeswalkers turn into creatures there's sarkin and the bahamut
2: and I think oh, um yes yeah, Sarkins do that. Turns yeah, into dragons and attacks.
0: Yeah, and it's cute that Gideon tends to be indestructible when he's attacking in various forms.
1: And now we'd have Trample, too.
0: Yep. So yeah, I think, I think Kodoma's got a pretty decent use case. Um, and the nice thing about this is that it has that ever-expanding play pattern. Because counters of whatever type, equipment and auras, are, never <laughs> are core to the game. So you're only going to get more options as time goes
2: on and, and be able to dial it in um i hope modified sticks around i kind of think it probably won't but i really like it don't you think it's very awkward
0: though that they have historic and modified and all of the like concept tracking associated
2: with both of those at the same time well they certainly could have planned better
1: (laughs) that's an understatement bro
0: all right so we've also got kaito shizuki which is probably the number one chase card of the set, and it's a Ninja Planeswalker. I think it's probably more important as a collector card than it is anything else, but you're going to auto-play this in Yuriko. So that's nice. Um, I don't really have a lot to say about it other than that. I think the best version of this is going to be very expensive because Japan's going to make it expensive and then it's going to stay expensive for a long Did time. Did somebody cool do the art? Yeah, the guy from Fist of the North Star. Oh,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, it's even like got the same like chest scar on dude's uh, whip. At the end of his whip, he's got a couple of the of throwing stars or something that look exactly like what's his name's uh, scars his on his chest. His name is
2: Kenshiro, and I know that, but I don't know the name of any magic cards. <laughs> the other thing is that the, the default art for Kaito is pretty lame. So it makes the He's got a robot squirrel or something. That's pretty Raccoon. Cool. Yeah, it's a raccoon. Don't correct me. It sickens me.
0: <laughs> so here's here's the thing is it's interesting that it's the borderless version of Kaito that I think is Chase. Correct. But my but my theory is that it's the opposite for the Wanderer. I think the chase for the Wanderer is going to be the Samurai version. Because two cool artists did both versions, but I think the Samurai version has a more classical anime touch to it, and I suspect that the Samurai version is going to end up being the pricey one in Japan. I really like the coloring on that. I bet it looks pretty good foil. Oh, I bet it, yeah. It's probably going to look... Those lanterns in the background, it's going to look good. Well, Um, it's
1: pre-selling for a ridiculous amount, so... The
0: other thing thing worth flagging here is that there's so so many anime artists involved, uh, especially on the ninja and samurai themed cards, that there's a pretty decent chance that some of the cards are going to emerge as collector pieces in Japan without being valuable as cards. Similar to what we saw with the Strixhaven Mystical Archives, where all of a sudden Japan was paying an obscene amount of money for time warp. I think time warp set... Set, Booster, Mystical Archive Foil, Japanese alt art version is like a $1,000 plus right now. Um, through our Japanese uh, buy listing program with Pro Trader we've sent several of those over there successfully. And then Channel, a card that you can't play basically anywhere uh, because of the art, was very expensive. Grape Shot was another example. So I'm very curious which of these may end up in a similar boat. Um... But yeah, uh, Kaito, Shizuki, pretty cool Planeswalker. Likely to see a lot of play as long as you're in a ninja deck. Now, how about uh, Lightpaw's Emperor's Voice? This is a pretty cool-looking uh, aura card that makes me feel like it goes in. Where's that? Who's that Esper commander that's super annoying, Jason, that pulls auras out of your deck and puts them on it?
2: Zer, the ninja yeah. Yeah, this,
0: this is like an auto-include in Zur.
2: But who's um, building Xur, though? Oh, you know what? I say that, and I bet Xur is in, like, the top 50 of the last two weeks. There some there's some commanders that just never go away. I bet Zur could be one of them.
0: The other thing is that this doesn't just have to be Zur. This is basically going to be in an any enchantment matters deck forever. It's a 2-2, two, two, one-and-a-white, Fox Advisor, Legend. Whenever an aura enters the battlefield under your control... If you cast it, you may search your library for an aura card with mana value less than or equal to that aura with a different name than each aura you control. Put that card onto the battlefield attached to Light Paws. So you put an aura on something else for, say, three mana, and you go get another aura and put it on Light Paws. So you basically get to tutor for an aura every time you cast an aura. That seems sufficient for the theme. It's got like a Sram kind of feel. A little more narrow than Sram, but... What
1: else do you want out of your uh, enchantment enabler? I don't, yeah. I don't think this
0: is brick. I don't think this is brickable. I just think this is probably a good card in a theme that's a little too narrow to spec on.
1: It has a, a mechanic that uh, gets kind of old. Um, the I have to search every time and make the optimal choice every time, which uh, is a reason I don't play stuff like Wild Pair anymore even though that is an objectively good card that will only get me good things it just it just takes so long i got no patience with it
0: you want to be in a position where you know your deck well enough that you're not going to hold up the table if you're tutoring a lot that's for sure because if they got to wait five minutes every time your turn rolls around for you to go pull out the the latest door as you read what they do you're going to get some some side eye um, if i'm looking at the most broadly applicable card on my list here i think it's this this colorless land that i haven't seen i don't think enough discussion of uh talking about roadside reliquary taps for color nuts taps for colorless Two sack it you draw a card if you control an artifact you draw another card if you control an enchantment so people were like yeah but you're not going to be playing an artifacts and enchantments matters deck and i'm like no you're not you're just going to have a treasure token and smothering tithe out yeah Ristic study or mystic remora (laughs) Or Phyrexian arena, or, or Necro. You mean to tell me
2: I'm going to have a soul ring? Yeah, a soul, <laughs> I know, a soul ring. I'm not playing artifacts matters over here.
0: I mean, if you're if you have Esper Sentinel in play, any random enchantment on the next turn, you're doing just fine. So buy your Biden of Thassa right now. If this was a rare and had a foil extended art, I would be looking at this the same way I looked at War Room from Commander Legends. Bonders Enclave, sure but because it's an uncommon probably going to get real cheap and then consider consider bricking it as a potential buy list play buy you know get 100 or 200 copies and again at 8 cents to unload to CK at 20 cents down the road would you, would you imagine Jason this is going to end up in the top 10
2: EDH rec cards of the set no <laughs> I don't know. It's it's hard to say because cola stuff like tends to migrate there, but it's not sexy.
1: The thing is, is uh, there's also going to
2: be in the, the top ten.
1: There's also going to be a lot of people who are going to say like, "Well, why do I have to sacrifice my land to maybe draw two cards?" You know, when I can play stuff like Bonders Enclave or Castle Lockswain or. Uh, war room things that will get you a card every time if you want i mean you could even get the uh the one with the city's blessing if you want to be like uh, a card that i went deep on way back when and thought like they'll never print anything as good as this and they've printed like four cards better than that
2: was well, that arch of arrasgar or whatever that's
1: exactly what that yeah thanks for reminding me mister i don't know the names of cards
2: i know the guy from fist of the north star and i know <laughs> you know cards from the uh akoria block because i made or are not akoria block uh, excellent block because i made fun of it so much on twitter now i feel bad because i like the block
0: well there are some use cases for all the decks that can return that run crucible worlds or renin six or whatever else is returning lands back from the graveyard on a regular basis to reuse this over and over again and abuse it to get a lot of cards uh with very little downside there's But I guess you can make an argument that there's another uncommon land that probably will see even more play, which is Secluded Courtyard. Um, As it enters the battlefield, you choose a creature type. It also taps for colorless without penalty, and then you can also tap it to add one mana of any color, and you can spend this mana only to cast a creature spell of the chosen type, but it goes further, or activate an ability of a creature or creature card of the chosen type. That last part really puts it over the top. Because now you can use this for ninjutsu abilities and all sorts of random abilities on vampires and zombies and whatever else. And I think we can all agree this is just going to see a ton of play.
2: Remember we used to get excited for Ancient Ziggurat?
0: I do remember <laughs> yeah. that. I have. I still have... Remember I still how have,
2: awkward Ancient Ziggurat was and we were happy to have it?
0: I have a five color deck from 15 years ago put together that runs for Ancient Ziggurat and a whole bunch of... Like Alara era tricolor creatures.
1: There's a good chance this uh, this ends up in modern in humans because this can play uh, your ether Vial on turn one.
0: And 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 likewise probably could end up in merfolk, where they have relevant things to activate. Could end up in goblins, ditto. Um, I don't know if spirits wants it. I have to think about that but it's entirely possible. I, j- I just think this thing's going to see a ton of play. Now, does this also have a promo, Cliff? It's, yes. It feels to me like a card that will have a promo.
1: It does have a promo version. Uh, the promos for this one, for this set, uh, let me scroll back down to the promos. Uh, the three, two-color, uh, the Enthusiastic Merchant, Jukai Naturalist, and Silver fur Master are promos, Secluded Courtyard. And the last one is the Spirited Companion, the one in a white enchantment creature dog when it comes to play draw a card
0: now here's the thing cards like this last probably the best analog is unclaimed territory out of the ixalan block tend to get reprinted a bunch so in the case of unclaimed territory showed up in commander 2020 commander innistrad midnight hunt commander innistrad crimson vow basically anytime they wanted to print a uh, tribal commander deck mystery booster there's a league promo and all of the non-foil versions are a dollar and the league promos are $3. So I, I and I guess we should probably take a look at what Card Kingdom pays for unclaimed territories if you want to get a sense of what your potential entry point would be in a world after it has a whole bunch of printings. So they will they will pay 26 cents on an Ixelon copy. So if you can get copies of this like 10 cents on opening weekend or something, that might well be a totally reasonable play. Easy double up on two or three hundred copies and you're good to go. Yeah. Probably that's... probably going to have to hold them for a year or more, but probably going to triple that's up. That's all we do, though.
1: Sure. I mean, I, I never sell cards. I just buy them. And then <laughs> I just have boxes and boxes and I know that I'm surrounded by things that are worth, you know, a dollar when I paid a quarter for them and it makes me happy. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: and there are plenty of things that are worth 20 cents when i paid a quarter for them and could have sold them for two yeah exactly i
1: mean we don't have to get mean about it do we
2: i don't have to describe your whole basement i'm sorry (laughs) how about reality heist the dig through
0: time for artifacts it costs seven you look at seven cards i believe and pull two artifacts out and it costs one less to cast for each artifact you control, which in a format increasingly full of food tokens, blood tokens, treasure tokens, and which one am I missing? Uh, clue tokens. Um, amongst all sorts of other artifacts that are played by default. This seems like you're probably going to look at 7, draw 2 for 4 mana a lot of the time in this format, and that seems pretty good to me.
1: And you forgot to mention that it, it costs one less for each artifact you control, so that counts your uh, artifact lands as well. You're just—you're never going to be sad about this. It seems like it goes into every artifact build, but we're—we're we're approaching a point where, you know, there's only so many auto includes you can play. Like they have the new uh, commander card that um, whenever. So, like, you have the replication specialist also at Uncommon. Whenever a non token artifact comes into play, you can pay one to blue and copy that. Like, that seems like an auto include.
0: Yeah, that's pretty good, too.
1: So, we we have no end of these. What's the, the. Oh, whenever an artifact creature you control deals damage to a player, draw a card, it's five mana, three, three, flash flyer. It's like. Jason,
0: I have to imagine that Douglas is going to be pretty pleased with bulk from this set down the road.
2: There's just so yeah, many, good, un- um, there's so many there's... good uncommons. Well, you have a cycle of. They're not hondens anymore. They're shrines. They're Goshintai. There's a whole cycle of those. That's cool. I don't know if they're going to get bulked out, but I don't know. It... There's a, a ton of good commons, commons and uncommons and cycles of them. So it makes it easier to just pull everything and, and wait. I feel like I'm not I've never bulked a saga right like I've (laughs) there's there's some stuff that like even if it's not being bought I just put it in my this is too good to bulk but not good enough to sell right now box and occasionally this stuff will hit out of there. This also feels like if you actually manage to get to a major event where people
0: are drafting this in the next little while you're probably supposed to hang around the draft tables and pick up draft (laughs) chaff. as people leave stacks of the stuff sitting around. Cause I bet you that's going to be, you know, every little pile you pick up is going to be a few bucks in hand.
2: Yeah. Just discarded hotshot mechanics and and whatever.
0: Yeah. Uh, how about Nashi moon sages scion?
1: Like it's just such a good ninja. Like they, they didn't give us a lot of broken ninjas in this set, except for this one, you know, it's got the, the, big ninjutsu cost of four mana but when it hits somebody you just get to exile the top card of each player's library and cast it for paying life instead of the mana cost and that seems like a way to drop 15 life and end up with a mind's dilation some random mana rock somebody's land and a good creature like i i love this card i can't wait to build around it and if it had commander ninjutsu it it might be in the running for something even better than um, uh, what's her bucket? Yuriko.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think this is uh, better than Ink Eyes.
1: That's a strong statement, sir.
2: Yep. Ink Eyes ne- is a messed up magic card, and it, it made me the player I am today. <laughs> the other thing about Nashi is you don't need to run this in a rat
0: or ninja deck. This is just a solid black card like Draugr Necromancer.
2: Yep. You need to have an unblocked creature.
0: Yeah. And that's just about it. So I could see running this in zombies, vampires, all sorts of
2: stuff, because it's just well, it just does work. Well, these are what sub ten dollars right now. There's just so many variants of it. There's the, um, like the alternate art. There's the and, borderless or the uh, extended. Yeah, there's the, the, a, a the, ninja
1: version and an extended art.
0: The foil foil extended art and ninja foils are gonna be cheap in Japan and Europe for sure, because they don't need this card for anything. And the art on the ninja one is eh not so hot. I mean,
1: it's a it's a rat on a rocket bike. What's not to love about that? Uh, what doesn't what what doesn't art, say ninja about that?
0: Art quality not so hot on that one. I, I like the moon circuit hacker art a lot better. Um, but as a common, uh, not much of a spec. Um, how about Containment Construct? We alluded to it earlier. This is this is a pretty silly-looking colorless card that seems to be innocuous but is uh, a lot more dangerous than it looks, I suspect. This is the 2-1 for 2, and... Whenever you discard a card, you can exile that card from your graveyard. If you do, you may play that card this turn.
1: I am really looking forward to seeing somebody break this in the next iteration of Hollow One.
0: Yeah, this to me looks like it can show up in Modern and and possibly Legacy, and it's for sure an EDH card. There are so many ways to fool around with this. You can be on a reanimation theme, you can be on a madness theme, you can be on some kind of Blue-Red Spells or Jeskai Spells build or Grixis Spells build where you're trying to do Underworld Breachy type stuff and this is just part of the program. There's a lot going on here. The The one weakness is that it's a creature that's going to get caught up in Incidental Wraths and so forth, but I don't see people using Pinpoint Removal on this to stop your value engine.
1: Well, plus as a creature, it's easier to get back with Assorted stuff too, so...
0: Now, yet again, just an uncommon, but uh, another card that I think might be worth bricking.
1: Well, also, this one doesn't have a promo. It's got nothing special. So if you want to go in on a brick of foils, then you just go in on the brick of foils and you don't have a lot to worry about.
0: And this art looks like it it, uh, probably works well with foils. A lot of these, the ninja themed or blue-black themed Kamigawa cards have the neon in the background, and that's going to work really well with the foils. Jason, do you think Containment Construct has broad enough applications to be brickable?
2: Um, It's hard to say. I think, in general, the better stuff tends to be less narrow. Like, the stuff that's very narrow is very popular. If it's the perfect card for a deck and then that deck is built a ton, it seems splashy, but, like... The mirror box that kind of just comes out and then, like, gets a little bit of play and then people discover it two years from now. Um, I think that's less likely this time around than Mirror Gallery, which was just kind of, like, trash and then very recently got rediscovered. I kind of think colorless stuff has the best chance just because it's not gated by the number of decks it can be in. Because, like, I don't care how good a white card is, even if it's in every white deck, how many decks are we talking? So... Um. yeah i i uh, i don't hate it in general i like artifacts and lands more than like two colored stuff like for example as right. much as i love jukai naturalist anything either of you want to add to the
0: top edh cards list that you think is going to be top 10 top 15 from this set
2: reality chip okay Reality chip's a, an insane magic card, and there's so much text that people's eyes cross trying to read it. Um, <laughs> this card's very popular right now. And it just, it if you have a commander, you have somewhere to put your reality chip, and that just switches your deck on, and you become a different deck. Which I think is super cool. So, reality chip is a legendary
0: artifact creature. Equipment, jellyfish. That's gotta be the weirdest
2: subline. On any magic the text card, is ever. tiny, and it takes up the entire. Like this is the yeah, the they had, set ever.
1: They had to shrink the bejesus out of this.
2: It,
0: it's wild that they added jellyfish. It has no relevance to the rest of the card. <laughs> but one in a blue. For well, it has a zero, to have a creature type because it has a power and toughness, right? Yeah, I guess that. Yeah, but jellyfish, like they could have just gone construct or whatever. No, but, you can't. There's too
1: many good construct things. You got, you had to make this something random ass. I like that.
0: One in a blue zero four. You may look at the top card of your library anytime. As long as the reality chip is attached to a creature, you may play lands and cast spells in the top of your library. So it turns into future site once you have equipped it. Very cool now, card. It, interesting for people to note about reconfigure. They may not have realized this. Reconfigure is not just an alternate equipping cost. It can also unequip. So say you've got this equipped up on something, and then they pinpoint removal that creature you can reconfigure to get rid of it, but it's at sorcery speed. So you'd have to have some tricky way to get around that. Um, I don't know if to time router would help you with that. Uh, so I guess, guess it's going to be pretty corner Casey. I think but... they
2: didn't want you doing stuff like that. And that's why they made it very difficult. So I guess your best case scenario is really that you've got a
0: lightning Greaves on your commander or whatever, and you're going to put the reality chip in under the Greaves. In a protected space, because the, in in that case, if they wrath, this would what just fall? It falls off and becomes a creature post wrath.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Okay, so I I could see Reality ship being maybe a slow burn shadow spear type card. I could buy that. It was actually mentioned on in a couple of the modern top cards for modern list that I looked at. Um. For this set, so... Could be a sleeper. Could be a sleeper. Um, I guess we've also yeah. got to deal with Farewell. Uh, yeah. And especially the Spanish version of Farewell. Adios. Adios. Yep. And so, definitely... Foil, Spanish... Adios. Extended art.
2: It's said, McKinnon, though. Did, did they change... Did they? Is that really said, kind of McKinnon? Period. Oh no! Yeah, but there's there there's a
0: samurai frame. Yeah, I think there's a samurai so, frame with a bunch of kids on it. So that's gonna be like super weird.
2: Like I don't know, man. I can't think of a better card to be uh, <laughs> illustrated by Seth McKinnon than a card called Farewell.
0: <laughs>
1: the timing is exquisite. It's it's very true.
0: But the one that's not by Seb is a bunch of small girl children frolicking in a field and then the text below it says exile all artifacts, creatures, enchantments, or graveyards. Very strange. Are we exiling all the the children? Yeah, it's like (laughs) Terminator 2, right? That's not kind at all. Uh, But yeah, I expect the the weird rare versions of these to do well in collector circles. Um, So I'm going to be looking on card market in Europe to try to snap some of those off. Hopefully they will undervalue them, but I guess we'll see. Um, card seems good moving on over, I guess, to the top modern cards of the set, but Sage is also going to play a role there. Uh, as we had flagged aspiring spike, who is currently trophy leader for modern leagues on magic online. Above all else, he put moon snare prototype at the top of his list Ooh. from this set. um, I guess from the perspective of it looking a lot like a... What's the the one that does it with the spring Springleaf Drum. He thinks this is a Springleaf Drum analog given that you get to tap artifacts to generate mana uh, in the same way that Springleaf Drum would work. Um, I'm not sure I'm seeing this. I I don't know what deck is going to be running this.
1: I mean, this is be based around some kind of urza build wouldn't it this uh, maybe... is one
2: one one blue for this artifact right
0: yeah
1: single yeah, blue man
2: blue and it has a channel ability but i don't know how i mean i don't know even having a bad ability stapled to a card that didn't have one before if that is useful 0.5 percent of the time then it's worth running i just i don't know if enough about modern to say this guy's wrong
0: I mean it tap you tap an untapped artifact or creature you control you add a colorless mana but you can only do that once. So sure, he he mentioned it was like a Mox like we've got Mox Opal at home kind of card. But which deck in modern currently wants to accelerate badly enough to run this in that scenario? I'm having trouble picturing it. So I'm going to and it's a common, so super happy to let that play out and just see what happens. Um, One of the other ones that jumped out is Secluded Courtyard, of course, for the tribal decks. We already talked about that from an EDH perspective, probably relevant also in Modern. Um, Lion Sash has been talked about as a scavenging ooze analog that has uh, a variety of different uh, ways that it can do work. It can become a threat in the mid to late game. It can help deal with graveyards unclear whether this is a cyborg card or whether any deck would be able to find room for it got to say that the one drop the bar to be a one drop main deck in modern right now is like Esper sentinel dragon's rage channeler ragavan etc very difficult for me to picture lion sash being good enough unless graveyard decks are are a major presence in the format
1: i can see it uh you know being a somewhat popular uh, commander card though i mean exiling a permanent to get a bonus is nice but you still just get to exile target card from a graveyard when you need to that's always going to be an ability that that has a use and in modern there's a lot of shenanigans that people do with their graveyard so having this option you know at at the worst you'll see it in you know the stoneforge mystic decks as a as a sideboard option that doesn't currently have a lot of direct graveyard interaction instead they're hoping to draw their uh relic of progenis or whatnot
0: it also gets extra cute and has upside versus other graveyard attacking options on the artifact side of things in counters matters decks because this thing puts plus one plus one counters on it like scavenging ooze does so you could have ooze in the deck and this and then you'd be pretty decently covered on on dealing with with other players graveyards and then your hardened scales and your whatever is going to double up the counters on each activation So that's cool. Um, I would imagine this will get pretty cheap regardless, and we'll be able to make a call on it down the road. March of Otherworldly Light catches, uh, caught a lot of people's attention as potentially being competing for slots that are currently occupied by the very successful Prismatic Ending out of MH2. This one can't go after Planeswalkers, but it does have the upside of being something where you can pitch cards to target... uh, uh, artifacts creatures or enchantments so it's x and a white it's instant speed as opposed to the sorcery speed on prismatic ending and as an additional cost to cast the spell you can exile any number of white cards from your hand to reduce the cost by two so that lets you go after big stuff um lets you you can have this in a deck maybe with something like solitude and give yourself flexibility in terms of how you want to deal with threats uh, lets you get rid of artifacts, creatures, and enchantments, which is nice. And But there are cases where Prismatic Ending is cheaper to handle a threat than this is. The trade-off being not having the pitch ability and sorcery speed versus instant. My suspicion is that you're going to see a smattering of play here. But the warning I put out to the Pro Traders was like, listen, even in EDH, we've got Swords, we've got Path, we've got Prismatic Ending, we've got March of Otherworldly Light, we've got a million different wraths and pinpoint removal spells and they're giving us more all the time the acceleration of the variance on these themes is tremendous in the last five years versus the 15 years that came before where they were very hesitant to give us good new removal spells for a long time so i find it hard to believe that we're going to see an uh, abrupt decay type situation again anytime soon where you have pinpoint removal that becomes a 20 dollar card for some period of time
1: That's right. It was twenty dollars for a while there. I I honestly forgot that abrupt decay was so expensive and so prevalent for a while.
0: What happened? I would imagine foil extended art, March of Otherworldly Light, four years down the road, will probably be worth some money. But I bet it gets cheap and stays there for a long while. the The only way I could see that changing is that if prismatic ending decks that run prismatic ending switch to this.
1: Yeah, I I think what you said is right though. Like it, what it requires is um, just a a lot more card disadvantage. And in modern with a fetch land, shock land, mana base, you know, you're going to take care of your permanents that cost three or less really easily. Um, uh, but you'll probably see some number of these. It just won't be very high because it it takes a lot for you to catch up to something big and problematic.
0: Like, if I'm running blue-white control, maybe I'm running one copy of this instead of one of my prismatic endings, just to give myself an instant speed option. But I've also got solitudes that, that operate at instant speed already, so it's not like I'm without options. And I've got counter spells in my deck, so a lot of the time you're just dealing with creatures by making sure they never land in the first place. So, I don't know. A card to watch, for sure, but nothing I'm specking on until I see the play pattern emerge. Um hidetsugu consumes all also caught my attention i think we talked about it on cast last week just because its default use case is that it gets rid of all the one drops so it potentially goes two for one against those decks for three mana the concern that i've heard a lot of people echo is that it's not clear what deck this goes into because on the next turn it exiles all graveyards and a lot of the black red decks do things like run the black red dragon, I mean black red giant out of Theros, um, beyond death, where you're not going to want to be getting rid of your own graveyard. It was unclear what the use case is for this in the format. But being able to get rid of all the one one drops in this format does seem like it could do work in the right place. That said, I suspect that even if there's a deck that runs it, there might be one shell that wants this card. Um, just don't see these multi multi colored utility cards show up all that often. Even something like Kaya's Guile, which has a very flexible set of use cases, you don't see much of in modern right now.
1: It's because it costs three. It's well, a permanent and, card and that, that means you can't play Loris.
0: Well, I mean that's the other thing, right? Is that you? It's not like Lurus can help you bring this back or anything either. So there's no upside there. Um, all right, so let's switch over to the collector side of things. There are a bunch of very cool chase cards related to this. First off, there are APAC region-specific golden ticket handouts. Apparently, vendors got one for every two set booster boxes. No, set set booster cases they ordered. Something like that in the APAC region. And the way those are going to work is they have, I think, Kaito... Probably the Wanderer and maybe Jinja Taxis. I'm not 100% sure what the final three is because I didn't see the final announcement. But three of the chase cards from the set, there are 10 uh, versions that are signed by hand by the artists and they are only available in Asia. So those those are the ultimate chase cards from the set. Uh, Some of the pro traders in our Discord will be getting some of those packs, but it won't be very many of them. And their odds of pulling one of them are
2: very low. They're great. Become a pro trader. <laughs> Go to um, mtgprice.com and give us a reasonable amount of money for the best finance advice you're going to get on the web. I'm sure James has prepared copy that he wishes <laughs> I would read, but I refuse. No, I'm, 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 I'm totally fine. I'm totally fine with your, we're with just your gonna use version.
1: We're, yeah, we're just going to record that and loop it and play it every time.
0: Yep.
2: for twenty or twenty-five cents a week. I'm
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna buy ad space on Jason's podcast and then have them run this as a bumper, <laughs> where where he advertises for ours.
2: The um, for sale. Come on now.
0: I mean, if you if you took squatty potty money, you can certainly take mine. Well, the... they
2: gave us a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny, <laughs> and free squatty potties. I have a squatty potty in every turlet in my house. Look, that is from so that funny. sponsorship deal. That so.
0: I mentioned earlier that the borderless Kaito uh, Japanese version is probably going to be the most expensive, and the most most expensive will be the foil version that comes out of set drafter and draft booster boxes, probably similar to the Kojima Sorin situation um, where the print differences
2: are uh, are present.
0: I haven't had this confirmed yet, but I suspect it will still be true.
2: I can't. I can't imagine they're still doing that. But like, I guess it wasn't great to do it in the first place. So,
0: well, I don't think they're doing it on purpose. It's just a. It's an artifact of the fact that printing presses in Japan have a higher quality assurance process, and so their sure. stuff is just better and, but also different. So the the foiling on, for instance, the Kojima Sorens out of Japan is much more subtle. I actually ordered two uh from card market during pre-order for like 85 a piece and got them in from my european contact the other day and one of them turned out to very clearly be a collector booster version and one was a set booster and putting them side by side you can definitely tell the difference right away
2: yeah it's Um, like when you get those stoneforge mystics that were clearly from the event deck
0: sure or or the series one versus series two japanese war planeswalkers etc so bottom line, I bet you that the foil Japanese set or draft booster sourced Kaidos are going to be $1000 at some point, 500 to 1000, I'm almost certain. And then the That's a big range. The Wandering Emperor, I'm guessing it's going to be the samurai version, but Japan hasn't posted their singles prices on the premiums. You usually only see that in the last few days up to release, so we'll we'll know more about that probably two casts from now. Um and then in North America, I would guess it's going to be Phyrexian Taxis That's the most expensive. Because
2: I think so. It's pretty badass.
1: That's a pretty good guess. I mean, I don't think people are going to be up to date on which of the five uh, Hidegutsu are. Hidegutsu. The Devouring Chaos Guy? I'm not sure how you Hiretsugu. say it. Hidetsugu. It's what? Hidetsugu. Hidetsugu. All right. Um, I just call him Mr. Ten. So. Uh, the fact that there's five different uh, colors and one of them is much, much, much rarer than the others, apparently. Uh, I don't think that's going to carry a lot of weight because the card itself is cool, but not, you know, busted, busted.
2: That one... It's fine.
0: That one jumps out to me as very likely... First of all, I think they chose the wrong card for that, clearly. Like, it's a solid mid-range EDH card, but I don't think it's got anybody too excited. So I think it's going to be collectors only that go after the rare color version. And the problem with just randomly assigning the rarity by color of neon is that it doesn't actually look cooler. It just is rarer. So to me, I have a feeling that in a certain circle, like on the high end group on Facebook or whatever, the very, very rare version of this will change hands at high price tags because they're so, so rare. But for everybody else, it's largely going to be ignored almost entirely. Um, I, I am curious as to whether this Kaido foil borderless pre-order price on TCG is wrong, because you can currently get copies at $70. Jinja Taxis is at 200 I have a feeling these $70 Kaidos, especially if they're going to get even lower than this on opening weekend, like down to 50 or whatever, are going to be buy-listable over 100 in Japan later.
2: Yeah, that seems pretty reasonable.
0: Cuz that $88 Kojima Soren that I got in Europe, the set version, that that buy list for 250 in Japan already. So that's already almost a triple up if I if I buy list it out. And the the Kaido looks like it could be underestimated cuz nobody knows about Fist of the North Star over here. Now the other one that's really cool. Is that cool, true? I mean, it's, it's It's a pretty old anime. I think like the yeah. like your borders having an anime section is post the Fist of the North Star era. And even if you could find that anime in that section, I don't think it's one of the ones that the 22-year-old anime fans grew up with.
2: Oh, yeah, certainly not.
1: No, they're but they're not chasing that dollar. They're chasing the, you know, 40-ish dude who uh, yeah. is like, hey, I've, I've seen that. I've seen, I know that. Oh, my God, that's so cool.
2: we had to beg Suncoast to let them pay $35 for a VHS tape that had two episodes on it.
1: I... I'm so upset with you for reminding me that Suncoast is dead.
2: That was our life, right? Remember that?
1: Man, you don't you don't need to get me on the nostalgia train. I live there.
0: So so here's <laughs> the thing. There's also multiple nice versions of Satoru Umazawa, who A, I think has a solid shot at being one of the top three commanders in the set. Do you agree with that, Jason? I think it will be number one. Okay, so far it's number one in the rec. I suspect it's going to stay in the top three. Um, it's a fun Ninja Commander. If you've got Yuriko built, you can easily adjust, kind of just swap <laughs> Yuriko into the main, etc. and just fool around with it and see which configuration you like the best. You don't really have to change much about the deck. The, there are multiple versions. The foil borderless art's nice. The ninja frame art's also nice, a little more impressionist. And then there's the buy a box version at your local LGS which you, is the artist is the guy who did a bunch of art for metal gear and that version is real hot and I would imagine will be worth the most of the three down the road. Have you guys seen seen the art on that one?
1: I didn't know yes. this was the buy a box. I got confused about i thought the somehow i thought the invoke despair that comes in the bundle was the buy a box so seeing this as the buy a box version uh that's a that's a lot cooler
0: now i might be wrong on on pricing on the basis that these are buy a box promos so there's lots of them around if this if this was as rare as the other variants coming out of the collector booster boxes then i might be right but i'm seeing copies of these like there's a vendor on eBay that has these posted for twenty six dollars a piece.
1: Uh, foil or non-foil?
0: Foil, because they're all foil. The the buy a box is only one version.
1: I I would be in on that.
0: I mean, these could get easily get cheaper. If, if I see these at fifteen bucks, that just seems like a, a snap off. I mean, this this art is not to be trifled with. Have you guys and... talked
2: about the EDH specific cards? Because I feel like oh yes yes yes. So this one is of the some of the best uh, precons and the best stuff. That's what just in the collector boosters or something like that.
0: Right well, here, no, in the set boosters there are EDH specific cards. I think the Myojins are all
2: in I that think, category. Yeah, all five Myojin, the Goshintai of Life's Origin. I I don't. I think that's it. And and apparently one of the vendors in
0: our Discord was saying that during their early cracking this week, they realized that. For the first time, those set booster specific cards, which are not in the collector boosters, only in the set booster boxes, come in foil. And they are—they're not collector boosters. No. And and those and the foils of them are therefore extremely rare. They said they opened hundreds of boxes and found very a very scant few. So foil meosians are probably going to be pretty pretty hard to come by, and if. If the Shrine Commander is also in that category, then foils of that card...
2: Well, that's that's Mythic. The Myogen are rare. The Go Shintai of Life's Origin is Mythic. So that's even crazier. That, that means the foil of that is going to be very hard to find. Ooh.
0: I'm probably going to get plenty pricey.
2: And it's a nuts card because like, I think a lot of people built... When it was still efficient to do so, like right when M21 came out, everybody built the foil Honda Deck...
1: Yeah, but who is and, their commander?
2: Uh, uh, Sanctum of all?
1: No, Sanctum of all is is the enchantment. It's not the. Uh, it's not oh, the... what
2: am I? I don't know, man. Um, I don't remember what people were doing. I just know that that was a thing. No, and it I... doesn't really matter. You could do Morophon, Like it. it, it didn't really matter that much who the commander was. Well, but now yeah, this is Ghost just Shintai like... is the new commander for the deck. Plus, if the whole deck's foil, why would your commander not be?
0: So. It looks like you can also pull Shokurai, Katori, Chishiro, but those are just the non-foil versions of the foils from the Commander decks, right? Cuz those are face cards. Those are those are face cards on the Commander deck. Katori is the face card of the blue-white vehicles deck. So the non-foil version of her is available in set booster boxes. That's not that relevant. But Goshintai is is specific to the set boosters. Goshintai is not from the other deck, right?
1: Right. You can only get it in, yeah. the, in the set booster. You don't get it in either of the um, commander and that's, decks. That's also true of
0: Ruthless Technomancer and Yoshimaru Ever Faithful, which is probably going to be a very popular card among the pet crowd, since it can partner with random partners.
2: Yeah, Yoshimaru, is, people are super jazzed about that already. I'm into it. So there, there are a lot, a lot, a lot of
0: chasey cards here. And there are going to be, I think, some very nice collector pieces a couple years down the road when most of this dries up. I mean, we also haven't even touched on Phyrexian Tamyo, which is probably below Jinja Taxis, but is
2: equally rare. Yeah, that's just, it, it seems like a card to me. Like it was spoiled and everybody... Talk so much about you know the the fake controversy about the completed that i don't mm-hmm. think anybody really assessed the card and then they just kind of moved on there's a lot of text on it any card with a lot of text is suspiciously good especially being able to p- play this for four mana although as a worse planeswalker which is weird as per usual no one is going to remember any of these drop rates any of these
0: sources a couple years down the road
2: yeah for sure i
1: I build a every new set i have a, a running table that i throw at the end for how rare things are some of these are engraved on my eyeballs i'm not gonna lie
0: so i guess we touched on hanada already and and ishin at various points in the cast but i'm gonna flag those two again just as commanders i think might be in the top three commanders of the set does that make well, sense yeah. to you jason
2: uh hinata's dumb and the thing i like about um that one specifically is it takes just a bunch of trash 57 cent rares yeah and makes them good again
0: curse of the swine foils are like pushing ten dollars now
2: yeah yeah there's it makes a lot of really trash cards really good it makes a lot of medium cards amazing casting magma opus for two mana is just gonna feel fantastic yeah, the, la-
0: the last time I got to do that oh was in that, ridicu- that ridiculous arena format. Cliff, did you play that where you got to uh, everything costs five less for uh, the holidays?
1: No, but um, I've I've done my share of uh, Mizzic's Mastery after discarding Magnum Opus on turn two and then turn three casting the Magnum Opus.
0: <laughs> Woo. I also That's bought, I, I told Cliff earlier, Jason, that I bought Crackle with Power foils that are A foil mythic from Strixhaven
2: for $3. Fantastic. Yeah, I bought basically, I don't buy on TCG player. If I mention a card in an article or on the podcast, I don't like, I don't want to signal the market. So I buy them secretly from other smaller stores. Yeah. And uh, I bought a lot of Hinata stuff because again i don't i don't know if people know what i like to do in mtg finance but i really prefer not to have to guess about the prices of new cards what i like is a a commander like Hinata or ishin comes along and then all of a sudden cards that we're not getting like fervent charge all of a sudden (laughs) it goes from bulk to like five six bucks and i love being the the person who saw that coming and has all the the copies on hand when tcg player goes from you know 55 copies at 27 cents each to seven copies at six dollars each and you have them to list well Love especially it. if
0: you're a direct vendor and you're getting 10 bucks a piece for them the uh the thing i like about hanada is that if it just said spells you cast cost one less to cast for each target it would be a fun commander but the fact that it taxes everything your opponents are doing simultaneously, that puts it over the top as just a good commander.
2: So now I kind of co- wish it didn't have that clause just because I want to do stupid stuff and everyone's going to be like, oh, another Grand Arbiter Augustine, great, kill him.
1: Yeah, because now your Cryptic Command is six mana because you're countering target spell and you're returning target permanent.
0: Uh, of, of course, Grand, Ar- Augustine, Grand Arbiter Augustine is probably in the deck. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Along with a bunch of other... You're going to play propaganda and, and smothering tide and whatever If you're going to treat
2: him. me like an arch enemy, I'm going to get prep like an arch enemy and throw a yeah. crawl space in there, and then you can yeah. all form an orderly line to try to get me. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is this an
0: <laughs> orderly is, line. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build this one for sure. I don't really care about Ishin because I don't tend to
2: gravitate towards... Uh, combat focused commanders
1: oh I can't wait to build Ishan. I'm not gonna like I'm gonna turn uh... what
2: great exploration of design space in this set though there are so many things yeah. that are just like very subtle but it's yeah it's like I can't I believe agree. it took you 30 years well like here's a random call out one of the the modern podcasts was
0: talking about greasefang Okaba boss potentially in modern on on the basis that you could discard like parhelion. And then attack with the Parhelion and two angel tokens the turn after you cast Grease Fang. So that could that could be as early as turn three, right?
1: What's Parhelion's crew cost?
0: It doesn't matter. This he turns the target vehicle card from your graveyard to the battlefield, it gains haste.
1: Yeah, but it doesn't say it turns into a vehicle.
0: But he he can probably crew it. What's Parhelion's cost?
1: I mean he's four he's three. A
2: four, three.
1: That's that's already. If like, only
2: we had the power yeah, par- of the par- par- Parhelion,
0: Parhelion's uh, crew cost is four. Perfect. So Parhelion can swing for uh, five with the two angels. You're attacking for
2: thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah. On turn three. Yep.
0: I, I mean that. Or turn it, four, it, I guess. It, if you make no, turn it discard, three. You need yeah, some way to discard it. You know. Yeah. Thought yourself. Mm-hmm. But. This is pretty fringy. <laughs> like, There are there are still emergent decks in Modern, but I will be surprised if Grease Fang is anywhere other than on Saffron's channel.
2: But that's like not enough cards for a deck. You got to be doing something else. That's yeah. why people tend to like the Hammer Time and stuff like that, because it, there's a whole deck
0: there. Well one, well, one of the nice things is obviously you're running Smuggler's Copters, which is going to discard the Parhelion. Ooh. So that's nice. <laughs> nice i love
2: it now i want to build this stupid grease
0: fang deck there's there's just fun stuff to be done here and the the set has there's tons of cards in here we haven't even touched on eater of virtues a very solid equipment mech titan core people are going to fool around with that and commander forever mirror box we didn't touch uh as the mirror gallery upgrade that that gives non token creatures control plus one plus one for each other creature you control the same name as that creature all sorts of silliness uh spread all over the set and i wouldn't be surprised if we missed five or ten different uncommon or rare specs there's also the the lands now that i've seen video of the foils of the the japanese basics
2: oh my goodness they're gorgeous
1: i mean we've we've had how many different incredibly gorgeous lands lately we we can't
2: that's the thing i i can't make myself care about basics yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't care about them as a spec
0: per se, because you know, like, things like Pokemon Theros foil lands are still two or three dollars or whatever. But Pokemon I do, gross. I do care about playing with these lands, like the swamp one in the alley, like the nightclub outside the nightclub swamp, the castle looking one, the island one with the paper cranes flying around. And either of the mountains; those are all stunningly beautiful magic cards that are just worth playing aesthetically and worth owning. And if they're going to get down to a dollar or two dollars for foils, then awesome. Sign me up.
1: It's optimistic. But I like it.
0: You guys have anything else to add about Neon Dynasty?
1: Uh, I can't wait to buy a giant brick of Organic Extinction, the uh, improvised destroy all non-artifact creatures, because you're just taking everything that was good about scourglass and making it better I mean it's 8 white white to destroy all non-artifact creatures but since your artifacts can help pay
2: that cost it's going to be a lot less than that
0: one-sided rats are nice
2: they really are can we talk about how Tanuki Transplanter is a dog (laughs) I'm more offended that it's a dog than that it's an equipment Tanuki is a raccoon everybody knows that
0: I'm,
1: a, I'm offended it has the snake ability from first Kamigawa. Like, there should be a snake.
0: Oh, They're oh, just... oh. I have, I have one final card I wanted to run by, Jason. What do you think about Fable of the Mirror Breaker? This is the saga for two and a red that creates a 2-2 red goblin shaman creature token with whenever this creature attacks, create a treasure token. Next turn, you discard up to two cards if you do draw that many cards. And then you flip it, and it turns into a Kiki-Jiki Analog that is a two-two that taps for one and a and a tap to
2: copy something and give it haste. This is it's really solid. I kind of I kind of like all of the rares. Trippy to Hirobi, inventive iteration, restoration of Iganjo teachings of the Kieran. i think the red one's the best though i think i think it's cool that they all flip but i think turning into a kiki jiki you know in a way that's tough to remove it and giving you all that value before it flips because you don't need a kiki jiki on turn three per se you you want something better to copy
0: that's very so. that's very close to the way I, I talked about it with cliff when it was revealed i think last week or the week before is that when you get the two two you're probably going to have somebody you can attack to get treasure tokens. Yeah. And no one's spending point remover to, removal to get through get rid of this too, too. And then you're going to do the discard up to, up to two cards optionally to draw extra cards. That that's just all upside and no one's going to interfere with it. And very unlikely that they're going to waste point removal to get rid of the saga before it flips and then you've got a kiki and they can deal with it or not depending on whether they think it's important but you've as you said jason that you've already gotten so much value up to that point you're ahead on mana and opportunity and then the the ball is in their court to address whatever you're going to try to do next and then if you're in a deck that you can bring the the saga back from your graveyard and try again (laughs) you get another goblin makes more treasure you get more looting it's just crazy Seems
2: solid to me. Yeah, it's like Saga Tribal as a deck is almost possible at this point.
1: Almost, but they gave us a really crappy commander for it.
2: Yeah. Well, they do that.
0: I'll tell you what I don't see in this set. I don't see a mythic on the scale of Meat Hook Massacre or Great Henge.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It, there's, there's, there's no a, just like solid good in EDH real splashy card. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I, yeah. See a bun- I, I see a whole bunch I guess they kind of d- thought that was what the um Praetor would be, maybe.
0: Yeah, I guess I guess I I guess that Gingitaxis is the closest thing. And and that might well be the analog. Whatever Gingitaxis gets down to may end up tracking pretty closely to Great Engine. I can see that being true. So maybe that's, maybe that's the answer.
1: Mm, I don't know. I mean, Great Hinge is just everything a green deck ever wanted, and you, it fits really well with stuff. And Jenga Taxis is cool. I I just don't think it'll be as widely adopted as Great Hinge. I I think you're right. It'll end up being the most expensive, like regular frame mythic out of the uh, eighteen mythics we have. But. Um, I don't think it'll be anywhere nearly as widely adopted.
2: I think the price distribution will be flatter in a set that's got more just really solid EDH playable
0: rares. And uncommons, like at least 15 good uncommons.
2: But I said that about War of the Spark, and like I kind of expected multiple $15 cards out of War of the Spark by now, and it hasn't really materialized, so maybe I actually have never known what I'm talking about, <laughs> and I just did this for 10 years, and I've never learned anything. Cliff, well, I totally look-
0: agree
1: you've learned a lot it's just that you know should be
0: weird cliff i totally agree with your analysis on Jin versus greathenge but i think Jin gets a collector angle push that greathenge never got like no no one cared about greathenge other than as an edh super staple whereas Jin is part of a parade or cycle that people are just going to want to own to own that's um,
1: interesting so you think you- there's you think there's enough collectors to to make a difference there
0: yeah, because I think the fanciest version of Jin versus like Foil Extended Art Great Henge being a hundred dollar plus card. We're comparing that to Phyrexian Foil Jinja Taxis, which for sure is a collector card.
1: Okay. I see what you're saying. Because we know
0: right? we we know that for instance, there was you know, whether you believe it or not, there was leaked information about the sales for the secret layer Praetors foil set. Or prayers total like i can't remember if it was foils only or foils plus non-foils being like eighty thousand units or something versus an average of 15 000 to twenty-five thousand for most drops so yeah i would say that there's probably a pretty solid chance that there are enough collectors of phyrexian foil gins to to allow us to benchmark against great hinge so one one to watch for sure uh all right guys i guess that's it neon dynasty thumbs up thumbs down you like this
2: set i haven't bought collector boosters since strixhaven and i bought collector boosters of this set did you buy english or japanese english Hmm. i can get them for cost so i bought a lot gotcha
0: so we 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 bought some japanese set booster boxes from japan hunting for the most rare and expensive versions of the best chase cards bought some Japanese collector boosters on the basis that Japanese might be the language of choice for a Japanese-themed set down the road uh, amongst collectors. And then there are also Russian booster boxes on American Amazon right now for like $101 a set booster box because apparently there's some kind of distribution issue into Russia given what's going on with Putin and Ukraine. So... The inventory that would normally be in Russia getting sold back to the U.S. is just being sold directly through Amazon in the U.S. (laughs) So you can buy Russian set booster boxes of this set for very reasonable pricing. Uh, And that would potentially give you the rarest of all versions of some of these cards, but they would be awkwardly in Russian instead of Japanese. They're still going to be worth a ton of money. I've seen Russian Sorens quoted on Facebook Kojima Sorens for like $800 or something.
1: I'm trying to find these right now.
0: (laughs) It it was linked in the Discord last week. I can throw you guys the link after the cast. But bottom line, lots of cool collector stuff to chase with this set. Thanks again to Commander-in-Chief Jason Alt of EDH Rec and Brainstorm Brewery and many other places, fellow Like MTG Price? And Cool Stuff, Inc. Yeah. And uh, big thanks to cliff uh word of commander over on twitter and
2: uh where can people find you online jason i'm jason e alt on twitter and uh, i have a pinned tweet and everything with a link tree it's a it's a good way to have all your links it's it it says it's a tree but it's actually just a bullet pointed list link tree full (laughs) of lies and you guys can find me on Twitter at mggcritic, as well as via
0: my occasional articles on mggprice.com and my constant haunting of the ProTrader Discord, helping drive value for our membership. also like to remind our listeners to check out the mggprice.com ProTrader service for just $9.99 a month or $109.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best mgg finance minds in the business, low-cost group buys, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering.
1: Once again, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Don't forget to use the (laughs) promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast.
0: That brings us to the end of MTG Fast Finance Podcast 310. Very much enjoyed our discussion today, gentlemen. Thank you, Cliff. Thank you, Jason. See you all next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance.